Welcome to Flipping the Field, it's the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, we've got Pac-12 to talk about today, but we've also got some of the most annoying things of all time to talk about, and that's uh, rumor mill stuff from people well, like Dennis well, look, Dodd well, look, about realignment. Look, the Deza De- Samaro news is not your fault, Patrick. I know you were a staff writer there. I know it really hurts you, but uh, you can't feel responsible for that show's breakup. I was one of the staff writers very suspiciously who was added by Showtime specifically. It was not. I was not on the show when it was at Complex or Vice, but I was added at Showtime to meet what they said was a quota, and I don't know really what it was for, um, <laughs> but I, I loved my time on the show, and you know, I, I, I loved making them do... Uh, I can't think of any things that people on TV do, but I loved making them do the things that they were doing on television. <laughs> well, and, it, and it was interesting. I thought so too, especially that they did hire you um, fresh off of your archaeology internship in Indonesia, uh-huh. uh, where you've been working for the Radio Free Asia Archaeology Department. You know, what was going on with that? How'd you get that? How'd you make that transition? Well, do you know Radio Free Tom? I was working, ra- I was working directly with him. <laughs> I was his personal assistant. I thought it was Tom of Finland you were working with. It was a little bit of both. He's a, it's sort of a Jekyll and Hyde situation where he can, he can <laughs> make the change anytime he needs to. Um, but, you know, I did that for a little bit. And then the, uh, you know, Showtime came calling. They went to my agent and they said, we need a white guy. We <laughs> were looking yeah. for a white guy and they got me on. And then I mm-hmm. had, uh, I had Jesus as the new uh, sideshow Mel on their, uh, on their show for for the last three months, and I guess he just didn't—he just didn't take it very well to have you know to 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 have Miro as the as the crusty, and he was the sideshow Mel. But uh, I'm really proud of my work, and I'm very excited for my next gig, yeah. which is that movie that the Euphoria guy is doing. I'm writing all of mm. that uh, with with the weekend. I'm writing the whole thing. It's just me. <laughs> well, what's interesting, Patrick, during that time, I was working for Tom Jurich, oh, uh, the former the former athletic director at Louisville. Yeah, uh, and boy, do we have some news about. Louisville athletic director just decided to mix things up this week. Yeah, they're they're getting you following this. You seeing this? You hearing this? You following yeah, this? Yeah, Louisville athletic director Jack Harlow <laughs> is being a crazy ass white boy once again. He can't stop doing it, and he's uh, he's going on the Honestly, record. Honestly, like they are they are just seconds away from getting Jack Harlow on the sidelines of every game. Yeah, he's just gonna he's gonna do in his quest to be white Drake. He's gonna do <laughs> the Drake thing, but only for Louisville athletics. To just like he's gonna be on there clapping it up. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, he's like somehow jumping on the football field the way Drake does a basketball court with the players and stuff. He's just getting absolutely docked by a fucking. Yeah. Uh, he's getting docked. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> he's getting what now? <laughs> Jack Carlo. He's in the, he's the, he's in the locker rooms. He's getting docked with, with, yeah. uh, with, with several assistant coaches. <laughs> If you don't know what that is, <laughs> do not Google it. Oh wow, Jack! They, we got a turnover here. Louisville's first to tr- forced to turnover. They're going to go over to the sidelines and they're doing the turnover dock with Jack Harlow, and everybody loves it. They can't get enough of it. You know, it's just something that fires up the team. Oh, I tried to say rocked and decked at the same time, and boy, I'm glad that I did. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> but anyway, after he was done docking with the uh, the entirety of the football staff, he had some interesting things to say this week, didn't he? Well, he did. I want I want to point out that he did at least sponsor the monkey backs, the monkeypox vaccine after uh, that that event did happen. Mm-hmm. So it's good that he's 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 being safe. For the he's community. giving back to the community. Yeah. <laughs> after all he's taken, uh, it's the least he can anyway, do. Anyway, the actual we're gonna hit on like ten minutes of expansion news. I'm sure which we'll keep to ten minutes, and then uh-huh. we're gonna get to the uh, Pac-12 preview. Yeah. Um. So Lupus Athletic Director was doing some press conference recently, 
And it kind of got reported. No one really noticed at the time because who the hell is going to listen to Louis Wilson athletic director do a press conference right now? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that uh, he revealed public information that had not been uh, had not been public before because mm-hmm. the ACC bylaws are not public. The grant of rights is, but the bylaws are not. Uh, and he noted that it takes only eight votes to dissolve the grant of rights, which is just a majority vote. And also, some other people reported that Notre Dame counts as one of those votes. Oh. Um, so if Notre Dame and several other schools vote to dissolve the ACC grant of rights, it can be dissolved. Um, what a crazy thing to put in your contract. <laughs> that is interesting. Um, do you think, Patrick, that will be something we should be talking about soon? Um, I don't know. What would be the eight, right? Because I don't know if there are eight teams yes. in the ACC that could land elsewhere. You know, like, like I think the, the, the question is, like, do enough, like, I there are not eight teams that could make the Big Ten or SEC. No yeah. doubt about that. That's not possible. Yeah. But are they pissed off enough at just how long they'll be locked into this contract that they will try to bail? Maybe. Like, I, I think that, like, Florida State, Clemson would obviously be interested in doing this, right? Notre Dame, Miami would find a place. Miami would find a place. I think Notre Dame would be interested in, in doing this kind of thing. Um, but like beyond that, I, I mean, someone will take North Carolina because of North Carolina. Yeah. Somebody would take North Carolina. Um, you get to five very easily. I, I easily see getting to five. Yeah. But beyond that, you're talking like Pitt. you're talking, you know, if Duke thinks that it can get an invite on basketball, um, if Georgia, yeah, what, Tech... if, what if, what if Pitt and Louisville, they say they want to jump to the, uh, big 12 because of Western Cincinnati ties. They I mean, want to that, have that like force yeah, them together again. Wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for those programs. I don't think, um, honestly, I mean, I don't know if that's better than their current situation. It is actually, it is better. That's better than their current situation. Pretty significantly. Um, those schools do not, they do not make sense in the ACC. And I think they would in a big 12 that has West Virginia and, and Cincinnati. Um, yeah. but even then, I mean, it's still, it's asking a lot. It's a, that's like, it sounds very funny to have just a majority needed to do that. Cause it just doesn't seem like how things are done anymore. Yeah. The, um, the previous belief was a super majority. I believe it was 12 votes. Now yeah. if it's only eight, that is yeah, interesting, but I still, I, it doesn't change our fundamentals, right? Which is we don't think enough of these schools are valuable. Like the only the only way this happens, and like the Pac-12 is not going to eat, you know, four schools from ACC. That makes no sense, right? Yeah. Like there's no appeal to them to do that. The, the only thing I would look at is, is the Big 12 going to try to get to like 24 teams, yeah. right? Because I think we came out on our last time we talked about this and said, I don't know about you, I believe the Big 10 and SEC are not going to get past 20 teams and maybe not even that high. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, I I think my I, my expectation is that the Big Ten is going to add either two or four more, um, which would do that would be twenty, and the SEC I think honestly might be done if not for you know if if Florida State uh, and they'll, Clemson don't they'll get Clemson and Florida State just seems yeah. inevitable, right? Um, but then like yeah, with the big the Big Twelve, you know, we talked about the Pac 12s group of of four that would make a lot of sense in the Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah. Um, I would imagine that those still make sense. The Big Twelve is sitting at what? 12 right now is that right yeah they have the four texas schools of baylor tcu texas tech houston well, they had 10 they before Oklahoma state kansas state kansas yes um, it's 12 they had 10 before and then they lost two to the sec and then they added four this offseason uh or yeah. last offseason so they're at 12 so they'd go to 16 and then they would get to get to 20 in you if you added louisville pitt who were the other ones was there other ones in there that would make sense um yeah, I mean, I, I like. I mean, hell, you would maybe add. What, I don't know, like 
there's a lot of schools you could like if you're the big 12 you're at that point you're just expanding why shouldn't you go to 30 teams right yeah, like there are yeah. enough teams that like you can basically just have your own version of that and be like the clear third best conference or to hamstring everybody else yeah you could even do um, like a like a four-way split geographically where you have like you know you add louisville pitt and then you do and then also like i mean hell virginia and virginia tech just to for the sake of ease um and then you go with you know those six in a division you get six in the division of like you know the texas schools and oklahoma state and whatever you you do the six out west you do you know there's there's a i, I think that there's a way to do that it would just be certainly unwieldy but that's still only 24 right. um you'd probably have to well, i guess the weird more. thing is that this, this this the thing for the big 12 is like you don't have any one dominant brand and you're not there's really not a ton of brands that necessarily are adding additional value for you you're going to be able to get yeah what you can do is just bank on taking every program left that is either in the p5 or a high level g5 that cares about football yeah and just assuming you'll have enough good matchups every year that you can have some kind of in conference tournament or something i don't know and you can get pretty interesting with the style ends. but on this front too what we should talk about before we get too much further is that um dennis dodd and cbs sports also reported that uh notre dame basically set a price tag for bidding um and yeah. they said that if their uh, network partners, NBC primarily, cannot get them to $75 million in annual media compensation, uh, they would have to consider joining the conference. That is their number to stay independent is $75 million. Yeah. Um, Dodd reported the Pac-12. Another uh, Greg Flugar, a couple of people followed up by saying there are similar conversations being had with uh, ESPN for the ACC and with Fox for the Pac-12. Basically, like any conference that will give them or any network that will give them a deal to get it $75 million, um, they're, they're going to play ball. That's yeah. their number. Yeah. Does this mean anything to you? Um, not, not really. Uh, I, I, yeah, same. Yeah. Not, not especially I would say, um, because it's just, as it's just delaying the inevitable, right? Like they're just, you think, yeah. Once the big 10 and sec get to $150 million by their next contract, which what they're going to hit, by the way, mm-hmm. what does 75 million matter? Like you're still, you're still that far behind. Yeah. Like you're worried now about being 40 million behind. Guess what's going to happen when you're, you know, 75 million behind. Like, just because you have a higher total number doesn't mean uh, you're not getting further behind in the race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that that's, I, I think that that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull a ton from that personally. I'm not really, I don't know. I, I think that the, I think that Notre Dame is largely just posturing at this point, right? I, yes. don't, I don't know that I would take any of this as, as gospel um, just because, like, I don't, you know, I don't really trust most of the things that these that these athletic directors or their lackeys are quoted as saying anyway, right? The, these like the anonymous quoting stuff because I think that it's just like, what's the most favorable thing we could say right right now about our right? Staff? Yeah, I mean, North Carolina's president was giving interviews where he was talking about that the ACC is a strong league, working on making it stronger. It's like you would jump in one second if someone offered you a deal to do so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't take a ton from it. I think that the ACC thing is more interesting, but I also don't, I don't know that I'm going to pull a ton from that right now, just because uh, I, I just, I need to see it. You know, I, I would need to see some sort of movement on that front. I need to see eight teams that are actually interested in it. And I think that, like we were saying, that's probably contingent on the Big Twelve deciding to do some sort of huge you know, split league where they have like an actual East and West divide. Right. Um, which would then require, I mean, you're pulling in a bunch of teams at that point in the big 12. And, and so I don't, I don't know if there's an appetite for that yet, even if the ACC can in theory do that, I just don't know that there are enough teams that would want to. 
Which, by the way, I, I do want to point out, I think that would be sick if they pulled that off. I know, I know we're supposed yeah. to support regionalism in college yeah. football, and that does matter to me at some level. Yeah. But just the idea of, like, a 30-team conference where they get to set matchups. Like, basically, the Big 12 becomes their own NFL, but they're, like, the third-best <laughs> league in college football. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That's, I, like, I... <laughs> yeah, I... I've, I really like that idea. I've been sort of fucking around with it as we've been <laughs> as we've been talking, trying to figure out what that would actually look like. Yeah, I noticed you've just been not making eye contact with me in a way yeah. more so than usual. Yeah, yeah I've got my... <laughs> I've got my I've got my <laughs> notepad down here, so I've been writing out trying to remember who all the teams are. Um, that uh, maybe, a little a little Allie McBeal over here. Little Allie, yeah. uh, maybe we will uh, next. Episode. You were not alive when that show was on TV, huh? I'm familiar with the Futurama references to it. That's about that's the extent of my knowledge <laughs> of that show. <laughs> I can only assume that it's exactly how they portrayed it. That's uh, what, when, what's your what's your actual date of birth? October fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Damn, yeah, this came out uh, two full years before you were born. Yeah. September 8th, uh, 1997, uh, McBeal yeah. Uh, aired. Yeah, that's uh, be, yeah, before mm-hmm. me, certainly. And it seems like what? I was really missing out on a lot with that show. Also, what was your uh, mother's maiden name in the street you grew up on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's on the premium show. <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be that's special to the, 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 uh, the paying people. Um, all right, you want to talk Pac-12? Yeah, that's. I mean, we might as well. I guess what we're here for. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, I could eat. Yeah. Uh, I'm fucking pissed off at this conference, huh? <laughs> yeah, they really, they really kind of did us dirty a little bit. They. Uh, I I think it'd be really funny after we did it last week of just the rest of the year we opened off. Like, these guys, like, I fucking hate this I conference. Hate these this, guys I us hate off. these guys. Yeah, every conference just making us mad. I mean, kind of that is what it is from here on out. The Sun Belt are are are, are beautiful babies, and I think that we love the Big Twelve. Um, but beyond the Big 12 is our grotesque oldest son yeah it is we... our like it's our oldest boy yeah um he's got we know it's fucked up but we still like it yeah he's our he's our oldest boy he's very shitty but he has like a guinness world record and so we're like he's kind of cool you know like yeah he, he ate... he's like really good at doing the hammer thing at the circus then he just <laughs> ends up having to join the circus yeah uh. yeah the, the big 12 and the sun belt are our two sons who are wearing the overalls that's that are connected in the middle and they're playing the fiddle right like that's uh <laughs> they're going around and we know that they're not perfect but we love them all the same one of them's wearing a french outfit for some reason we really can't tell why yeah. <laughs> there's no clear theme to the show yeah, yeah. this is our this is our uh, our son the sun belt he's a cat girl uh, <laughs> and this is the big 12 he plays dungeons and dragons 18 hours a day online <laughs> they're very cool we love both of them equally the pack 12 is not uh, allowed he is not allowed in our home we are not on speaking terms with the big 10 at this time <laughs> speak for yourself well uh it's <laughs> so, okay let's just start off with the worst fucking teams in this dog shit conference yeah uh arizona they have been fucking terrible yeah they have won one game since the start of the 2020 season and now they have jed fish hoping to turn the season around turn the ship around after a 1-11 start yep uh they have a loss to an fcs team in the schedule last year <laughs> that's um, awesome they suck, man. Like here, <laughs> Arizona sucks. They've sucked for a long time. It's not that they're still gonna suck, right? Um, yeah, you'd think they they will have a big improvement in the passing game. Uh, theoretically, they have Jaden Delore, our quarterback, after transferring from Wazoo now, um, and they did add UTEP wide receiver transfer Jacob Cowley, who I know you're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a very good deep. Yeah, he's a very good deep threat. Uh, Delora is a good deep ball quarterback. They did also add a near five star freshman safety player, um, Tetawara McMillan, out of California. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowan has over 2,600 yards and over an 18 yard per reception average in his career. Uh, that's at least something that's going to be more fun for the fans, right? Like they might, 
catch a weird upset if they get hot, like some of these air raid quarterbacks do. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You don't expect anything serious out of the offense, right? I don't like, no, they can't block. Like that's the, they can't block. Yeah, There's not a soul that can block. I would honestly compare these guys. We just talked about, uh, USF last week. I would say that this is sort of the USF of the PAC 12, which is a horrible thing to be. Um, where like they do have skill talent. Legitimately, they do have skill talent. I like, uh, I like Cowing a lot. Like I, like I said, um, I, I like Jaden Delora a decent amount. I think he's okay. Uh, he's better than what they've had certainly. Um, but like, they but his problem when when he's on a team that can't block, he is terrible against pressure. Like one yeah. of the worst quarterbacks in the country against pressure. Yeah, and he does not have anyone blocking for him. And he's coming from a system that gets the ball out really quickly, and going to a system that doesn't. And so, like, yeah, he was doing that with Washington State. He was doing that in like a de facto run and gun offense. Right, with six targets to throw to. Yeah, yeah and like Arizona has one you know, one or two who I think are, are are good at wide receiver. And so I just, I don't, I don't think they can keep them upright. That's the issue with, with so many of these, these startup style college football programs where they're like, Oh, we're building something out here in the desert. You know, we've got, we're, uh, he's, he's building the culture there. There it's a winning by, by startup here. style cultural programs. You mean, uh, Jed fish is, uh, sleeping with like one of his, uh, CFOs and has two children with her. Yes. But also that like the stock is for, some reason extremely high because of media hype about these teams but there's not any actually they don't do anything they don't make anything right like these are there's a lot of programs like this right now that have sort of under they understand how to use the the college football media machine to generate excitement but they cannot actually do anything for any number of reasons either the coach that they hired is bad that's usually the case or because the program does not have the capability to do things. It can't do anything, right? We saw this at Georgia Tech. I think it's the same thing where it's for, for whatever reason, you know, and I think in that case and in this case, it's probably a coaching issue and a little bit of a structural issue as well. But like Jed Fish can talk all the shit he wants about landing four-star receivers. He can do that. I don't care. He can do that all day. You know, he can go out and get Jaden Delore. He can get Coing. He can get all these guys. But like, you can't recruit offensive linemen. You can't do it. They don't have offensive linemen aren't going here. They're not going to schools like this because they're not. There's no reason to. If you're a good offensive lineman, you'd go to a school that can actually score points and has proven its ability to do that before. I don't think that they can be one with or hype. to develop linemen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think that they can be one with hype in the same way that receivers and quarterbacks can because it's a different recruiting, you know, atmosphere entirely. Just you're ask not, Ryan Day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not recruiting seven on seven coaches when you are recruiting offensive linemen. That's they're not there. <laughs> they're not involved, right? Like that's just. It, it's a different game entirely, and it's a game that a lot of these coaches who are trying to spin hype from nothing are not able to do because actual like high school football coaches, the people who who they would have to get to know to recruit actual offensive linemen, can see through them immediately as like, oh, this guy's a loser. Oh, this is this is nothing. You shouldn't go here because they don't know how to develop offensive linemen. They are running a seven-on-seven football program. Um, and that's what Arizona's doing. It's the exact same thing. And when they play against any team that has a defensive line at all, even an FCS team, they can't do anything about it. They can't block them. It's, it's, uh, it's a waste of time. Right. And it's like, you could say, oh, well, you know, they just got a quarterback in the area to throw in quickly. Like maybe they'll scheme up something to, to use that to their advantage. Yeah. No, they won't. It's Jed Fish. Jed no. Fish is the, is the head coach. They're not going to scheme anything up. No, they're and not they just brought it. Like you're not, you're not recruiting explicit deep threats to, to, you know, show you're taking the short passing game more serious. It's not what you're doing at all. Yeah. Who are there? I want to see, I'm curious, who are the coordinators out here? Do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I did not write it down. Uh, so no, I did not know. Let me see. Oh, it's someone bad. I remember it's, there, there is some, <laughs> 
There's someone on staff that I particularly did not like. You know, that sounds right to uh, me. Um, Brennan Carroll is the offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator is Johnny Nansen. The fuck is this? Mm. What are you people doing out here? Brennan Carroll is a former USC guy. Uh, looks like a longtime Pete Carroll head. Uh, their, uh, their strength of conditioning coach does not pass the neck test, by the way. That's, that's not good. Um Okay, so this Brendan Carroll guy is an Al Golden slash Pete Carroll guy who was the run game coordinator for the Seahawks. Now, I don't watch a whole lot of NFL, but I don't um, I don't remember the Seahawks being very good at running the football. <laughs> well, they 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 run it a lot. Like That's they good. like to pound the football. But no, I would not say they're very efficient. They have this, not been very efficient for quite some time. This fool's also from Columbus, uh, so he's uh, he's especially on my on my shit list. Um, and he also played at Pitt, by the way. Oh man! And then Johnny Nansen, the defensive coordinator, was the defensive line coach at UCLA most recently. Then he was a linebackers coach at USC for half a decade. He was at Washington under this is a Steve Sarkeesian guy. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> this is your defensive coordinator? The guy who just got fired from being UCLA's defensive line coach? This is your this is your defensive coordinator? That's pretty funny. Jesus and also, like, their defense Christ. last year was, like, their defense was fine. It was the best unit on their team by a large margin. Yeah, but where'd that guy not go? Not saying much. <laughs> what happened to that yeah. guy? Oh, it was Don Brown. Yeah, that would do it. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, they, they bring back eight starters. They really just, like, the thing that was so weird about it is the Don Brown team, they really didn't blitz very well. Like, they, their yeah. blitzes didn't get home at all. Yeah. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't really get after the quarterback. They didn't really cover. They kind of just blitzed a lot and got some very simple, like bad Packer offenses behind schedule to come out ahead on total yards. But, but I mean, like they're, they're also transitioning away from Don Brown. This guy's ever coordinated defense before, Right. And then they have a new, yeah. it's a three, three, five scheme. That I really don't think fits the personnel they have on hand at all. No, um, it, but it, they have a lot of defensive tackles. They're trying to play a three, three, five. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of this working. Yeah, I think that that's fair. <laughs> I would uh, I, I would agree with that. I think that that's the issue with a lot of this stuff is that it doesn't work. It's like well, it's it's what happens when you hire a head coach who has is not was he wasn't good at anything he did before that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be your problem is that you hired a guy who doesn't even have a specialty. It's not even that he's like not good at anything beyond his specialty. He doesn't even have a specialty. He was a bad wide receivers coach. It was like. He he wasn't he certainly wasn't a good coordinator, but he wasn't even good at developing wide receivers, which I don't think is like the most intensive position in the world for coaching. It's like you, it, it's helpful to be good at it, but if your wide receivers are shitty, that's like you have to you have to be really bad as a wide receivers coach to have outwardly shitty wide receivers. That takes a lot. Yeah, uh, it sure does. It sure does, man. Um, do you want to vamp on Jet Fish for a second? I forgot to grab a water before we started recording, and I realized I'm, about to, I'm gonna have to keep roasting teams for quite a while. Yeah. You want to do uh, just two minutes making fun of Jet Fish? Yeah, sure. I just, uh, I, I just don't like the man. I just don't. I personally, I don't like the man. It's, uh, it's nothing about the way that he coaches football. It's nothing about anything that his, in his, that's in his career. I just don't like him as a person. I think he's a bad uh, man, and I, I don't respect him as a man. And I, I think that he should be. Um, I, I don't think he should be allowed to be in polite culture. That's just how I feel. I think he should have to be in jail where we can't see him. And that's just, uh, you know, be I mean, honest. What do you, what do you think Jeff Fish is doing in the bedroom? <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> Nothing good. Did you see that, uh, that New York post article today about the, the wife who bought her husband a sex doll that looked like her? Um, he, oh, I did. I did see it. In fact, there was a very funny portrait of it that I do not want to share in the air that I will uh, send to you later. <laughs> he's uh, he's doing that, except there is not an alive wife. It's just two of the dolls. Uh, that's that's I think what he's got going on right now. 
Yeah. He, um, he let's look at their schedule. Let's see if they can get a win this year, huh? Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's going to be a big test for them to see if they can get a win. But I, I everybody <laughs> believes in them and they're very confident in their ability to get a win. Well, uh, they got the season on the road at San Diego State. Let's go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The schedule loaded right as you were saying that. This is awesome. They're not going yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. They have exactly, I think, two uh, games they have a shot at, and I wouldn't bet on them in either one. Holy shit. This is horrible. <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah keep, yeah, keep going. So they start at San Diego State. Lost. Yeah. Yeah, next up, Mississippi State at home. That's They're doing a better version of what they do. Lost. Yeah, lost. Um, North Dakota State at home. Guys, hmm. that game's on eleven at eleven o'clock on a Saturday night on FS1. Guys, uh, it'll be finishing up about three AM Argentina time. Oh, also be the states. Never mind. Never mind. I want to uh, see. I want to see what the what the line on that game is if there is one. <laughs> there can't be out yet. There's no way. I would. I would hope not. But like, I think maybe I'm maybe I'm being aggressive here. I think that North Dakota State's going to win that game by like three touchdowns. I don't think it's going to be even close. North Dakota State is a better football team. It's not like an upset. Yeah, they are they, better. I mean, like, and they're going to kick their ass up front too, which is a really yeah, funny part. North right? They're going to beat State, them on the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, North Dakota State is way better in the trenches than Arizona is. It's not even fucking close. <laughs> it's like it's going to be a really funny game. Like, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's a competitive game. Yeah, but I mean, that's like if you're just looking at the schedule. That's one of two games that just by virtue of having, you know, 30 more scholarship players, they have a chance to win. There's yeah. like a key injury North Dakota State. Yeah, but like I feel better about the other one, which I think is Colorado on October 1st. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah, so in, in between that, they're <laughs> sorry going... To, sorry to our good friend Colton Dan. <laughs> yeah, in between that, they're going to Cal, um, which is, I mean, not like the end of the world, but they're certainly going to lose that game. Um, and yeah. then they get Colorado at home. I feel better about their chances against Colorado than I do against North Dakota State. North Dakota State has good football players on it, and Colorado doesn't. I think North Dakota State is a better team than like probably four or five of the teams on this schedule. I, 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 a, that's a good team, and this is not. Uh, and so I, I, if they're going to get a win, I think it's going to be against Colorado. But even that, I don't feel great about. And, I think, and they, boy, I, I cannot wait. I have a tidbit for you about Colorado. I cannot wait to share uh, okay. our, next, Ex- our next segment. Excited uh, for that. So then they go, they get Oregon at home. Be a funny game to win. Um, that that's the kind of game that Oregon loses. That is a that's a very Oregon game to lose. Uh, at Washington, off week. Uh, USC at home for homecoming. Very funny. Uh, that's at, pretty good. At Utah. That's the funnier game. Jesus to Christ! At Utah. Oh man, that's not good. Yeah, your 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 four games. Uh, mm. your two before and two after your bye week. Sorry, five, let's go five games here. Two before, three after your bye week. You're going Oregon at Washington. Bye week. Oh USC God. at Utah at UCLA. Oh my You're God. getting massacred. Zero and five in the oh. middle of the season. And you're just taking a break, knowing you're going right back to get your ass kicked again. Is any one of those games going to be within two possessions? Those players are quitting on this team by the halftime of the Washington game. Yeah, I mean, like, Washington had a basically an intra-squad mutiny last year and fired their coach. And I still think, well, I think Washington's going to win that game by, like, five touchdowns. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, they, they have three quarterbacks who suck, and they're, and they're still going to win. <laughs> yeah, good God. That's horrible. So then they end the season... 
home against Washington State, home against Arizona State. I think Arizona State's probably number three on the power rankings of games they could be most likely. Actually, two. I'm going to go two. I think Arizona State is the second most likely game that they could win behind Colorado and ahead of uh, North Dakota State. They just still have, like, some players who belong at this level, right, on the team. Yeah, so that's the- <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> now, me- right, right now they do. There's no there's yeah. no guarantee that they will by November 25th. Well, well, <laughs> well look at who you're talking about. You're talking about Arizona keeping players around? <laughs> yeah, that's I fair. wouldn't count either one of these teams. It's going to be exciting to see which of the uh the the like the scabs from the replacements are playing in that game because it's gonna be like it's gonna be like 80 percent guys who are 33 that they found in the home depot parking lot playing in that game. have you watched that the new adam sandler movie hustle yet i have not i need to i was going through this okay week. well this isn't a real spoiler but one of the plot points the one of the key plot points uh is that sandler goes to spain and finds this player yeah. who's a 23 year old construction worker who's like six foot 11 just dunking on guys and pick up games that's how he scouts them uh and, <laughs> oh, he's done and basically yeah, arizona are gonna say you need to find that guy yeah. we need to send jed fish to mallorca on the bye week to bring back somebody uh worthy of playing yeah jed, jed fish is uh, being verbally abused courtside after at, at a lakers game by anthony edwards <laughs> Being, being tormented every turn. They're, they're making Jed Fish sit next to the, the guy who wears the the uh, snakeskin cowboy hat and the funny scarves. Uh, they're making him sit next to him with lines of recruits, and it's just not working. Yeah, just uh, not, not going well. And Lincoln Riley, he's 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 a little bit further down. He's sitting next to all the actually cool celebrities. <laughs> it's, it's a real nightmare for Le- Jed LeBron Fish. is just like uh like falling into jet fish and not apologizing at all yeah. or helping him up when he yeah. knocks him over yeah, from side. yeah he knocks him over and then he points at him who the fuck is this guy <laughs> what is he doing down <laughs> this, here this I'm, guy smells weird i'm jet fish <laughs> yeah. uh anyways they play wazoo in arizona state i think they're going to go in 12 do you uh yeah i think they're going to go in 12 i think they might have one game within one possession that's i i like i don't even think that it's going to be a close 0 and 12 i think they're going to lose all 12 of these games pretty convincingly if you got over under half a game to win, what would you, the line have to be at to take the over on that? <laughs> oh like how? Like what? What kind of juice would you need? Oh boy, I, I I would need to I would need to profit a significant amount. I'm talking like if you put it at like plus two ten, I I'd probably take it. Yeah, yeah, I, I it's got to be definitely it's it's a uh, I'm putting in a hundred and I'm getting at least double that, right? Like I I need to yeah, it's it's gonna need to be a lot because what's the boy. actual line? Uh, it's probably like fucking um, six because the people who set that are more. I, mean, I know we're gonna actually we're gonna do a couple podcasts about this, so not yeah. to give away anything for free. Yeah. Uh, but let's see here. Uh, yeah, Arizona's over under is currently two and a half wins. Good God, hey uh, guys, you want some free money? <laughs> Could you find yeah, three well, on that fucking schedule? Three? They have to sweep those games. They have to sweep, <laughs> and, and this the fucking CBS <laughs> losers uh, picked Washington State as a win too, which is just an oh, unserious. Holy shit. Say. Come on, guys. What are we doing here? Washington State. They're going to beat Washington State? Yeah. In a revenge game for all of Jaden Dolores' teammates, who now have a much better quarterback. Yeah. Boy, howdy. That sucks. That's really bad. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, 0-12. Yeah, 0-12 on the board. Get them out hey, here. you want to talk about Colorado? Yeah. Uh, Surely their stuff is better than this, right? So, they don't know who the quarterback is. Okay. Their top running back transferred out. Yeah. Two of their top three receivers from last season transferred out, too, among five receivers in total of the program. Okay. And you know how I talk about how awful Arizona's offensive line has been for the last, like, forever? Yeah. Colorado hired that guy to coach their offensive line, a guy who's been coaching Arizona's offensive line. Mm. Well, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Why why did it do that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Carl Durrell's going to work out. Actually, I I forgot to ask. 
Uh, Jed Fish, if he starts out one in 23, do they fire him? One in 23. Oh, man. No, he's he's just about to turn the corner. He's ready. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just he's – Could he be the first coach to ever go – could he get seven games into the following year and go one in 30? Can we see that happen? I really I wonder. I I think there's probably been somebody who has started worse than that, but it would be it would be up there for sure. We need to find the worst. Yeah, we need to do some research on this. We need to actually just do a podcast where we look at the worst coaching tenures of all time. Yeah, yeah. That's... Write this down. Write this down. Yeah. <laughs> this, is <laughs> yeah. all, this is off season content. No one else take this. Furious. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll check back in this in six months. Yeah. So Colorado, bad. It's not good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Yeah. They do have good tight ends though. Okay, well, that's good. That'll help, right? They have a quarterback who can throw them the ball, right? I don't have anything nice to say about this offense. I'm sorry. They look terrible. Like, they have one and a half good receivers, one good running back, uh, maybe. I, I, I don't have anything nice to say here. I'm sorry. I don't think they're going to score any points. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's going to be their problem is that they can't score any points. It's This is the same issue that we're bumping into with a lot of the teams at the bottom of this conference is that they don't have any guys who can run the ball into the end zone. And that's sort of a big part of football is guys who can run the football into the end zone. Damn. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm reading the uh, the anonymous uh, Athlon scouting stuff on some of these teams. And it, it's very, very funny because you can tell like which coaches are more well liked, even though they're very shitty, like, like all the stuff about, uh, about fish and, and Arizona is fairly complimentary. The stuff about Colorado is mean. It's, it's like, it is like, not, it is not. Colorado is not making friends. No, apparently not. Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> this is a this is a very nice way to say this. This guy says they have a lot of unknowns with their personnel, but they're trying to recruit more ag- aggressively and sell the campus, sell the culture. It's a great place to recruit to. That's the nicest thing that he could say. <laughs> man, Jesus. Oh man. Um. Yeah. That's uh. <laughs> that's not ideal. Yeah. These guys stink, right? Like these guys are not good. There's nothing really here worth even. I think paying attention to, I think this is probably like even less worth watching than Arizona is because at least Arizona is only two years in. This is what year three for, for Darrell. There's nothing going on. There's nothing interesting about what he's doing. They're just, it's just not working. Like it's just straight up. It's not that like, Oh, he needs to get his guys in. It's not that, Oh, he's, uh, you know, he's he's taking over from a, you know, he, he was depleted when he showed up. Like, no, the roster wasn't great when he showed up, but he's not done anything. There's nothing here. There's, there's just, he hasn't landed anything that is interesting. There's nothing going on. Yeah. And honestly, with, with, it seems likely with, you know, a couple of powerhouses going to transfer out of your league in addition to like USC and UCLA leaving, it's probably time to replace him ASAP and try to get some momentum going into like the new league, you know? Like it's it's time to get this over with. Who do you hire for this kind of job? I mean, none of my business. Yeah, not my problem. I I would say Ken Niamatololo or Troy Calhoun. Um, but I know that they probably don't want to hear that because they're they don't want to go option. Yeah, dumb. I mean, I don't know if you're uh, trying to hire someone interesting out west. Uh, I like the San Diego State defensive coordinator. I'm I'm trying to blank on his name right now. Um, oh, but I, I do like him as a coach. Maddox. Um. Maddox. I don't remember his first name. Maddox. They should take a look at uh, it's Kurt Maddox. Yeah, Kurt yeah. They should Maddox. take a look at um, Doug Belk at, at Houston's DC Doug would be a good fit here. Uh, Brent Brennan, um, I don't think would take the job, but you probably should ask. Um, I mean, hell, do you ask Blake Anderson if he's interested? Yeah, I think he'd say yes, right? I don't know. I think he kind of likes to just be at the G five level. That's uh, that's been my my impression. Um, well, five million dollars, they can say no. I don't know that Colorado has five million dollars. 
That seems, I think they got some money they can rustle that up, up there. Like a lot of there. Money. They had some. That seems like I don't a know lot if you've been following the have. property values in Denver, Patrick. Uh-huh. Things are going pretty well up there. Well, and famously, the University of Colorado owns all property in Denver. It's it's, it's Colorado's <laughs> they're, version they're, of Black Look, Rock. that state's collecting some taxes. They're going to be all right. All they're right. going to be fine. Yeah, they're paying. Um, yeah, they're paying directly into the football program that they seem to care so much about. They really put a lot of value in this football well, program. Well, I'll tell you what, if if. Ohio State wants to get serious about football. It's time to start taxing property values directly to the Buckeyes. I'm tired of schools, little elementary schools, taking the funds that should be going to our NIL collectives. Yeah. Pay players with property taxes. We don't need schools that much. Yeah, the elementary schools aren't doing it with it, doing anything with it anyway. They're just fucking... When's the last time you've seen a single player for elementary school sign with Ohio State? Yeah, when's the last time you saw an elementary school football program in the state of Ohio? Well, you didn't. You haven't seen it. It's a, it's a, It's an unserious state. They're just not taking football seriously. It's the best I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's the so issue. anyway, so Colorado football, um, their defense, I got to give credit here. They at least are trying something. I don't know. Yeah. They're switching to a two, four, five, which is a little bit tough in a year where they lost three of their four best defensive backs, uh-huh. uh, the transfer. Oh, God. <laughs> um, they do seem to have good linebackers. So that's nice. They have some decent defensive linemen on the roster. Um, maybe if they have the exact same offensive problem as last year, like a 10 to 20% improvement on defense, they don't finish last in the conference because they beat Arizona. That's like, that's the upside. It's basically their whole season comes down to a road game at Arizona is what this comes down to. Boy. And they do get Arizona state at home, which is, uh, it's it's something a, there. That's a tough, that's a tough road to hoe. I think <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> they not... might. Have you seen their schedule as well, Patrick? Would you like to take a look at it with me? Yeah, let's take a look at the uh, the old Colorado schedule. I'm 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 gonna guess it's that not it's... friendly. These ads are not giving these guys a lot of help this year. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So let's see. Okay, starting the season home against TCU. Okay. Um. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't a, know what time in the program's history that could have been scheduled where it would have been a good idea. That t- <laughs> uh, I do think that's a loss. Uh, yeah, I agree. Friday I night, Labor Day weekend, 10 p.m. They are really trying to hide that game. Oh yeah, and you know we're gonna watch it. You and I are gonna be locked in <laughs> on that one. Uh, well, that'll be my first time back to Columbus. I, I might be. Having some beverages, but yeah, I will, and, I'll be definitely be, I'll be annoying some woman at the bar. Like, Hey, check this game out. Hey, like, uh, hey, check out ESPN. You want to talk about Carl Durrell? Hey, I hear there's something really cool going on. On ESPN. <laughs> uh, next, next up. You're going to go back to my place and check out uh, Max Duggan trying to throw uh, uh 13 <laughs> for 38 this season. <laughs> oh man. They come back and let's, let's watch, uh, let's watch Carl Durrell coach. It's, it's really salacious <laughs> stuff. Um, the next. Yeah. Day, they used to have this big sweaty guy who kind of looked like their mascot in this yeah now they have just a weird looking guy it's he does he's not weird looking in a funny way he just looks weird he just looks sort of inbred and wrong yeah um, she's right. she's gone for five she's minutes gone. i'm still yeah, talking she's already, you're just talking to nobody um all right next up at air force mm, mm, maybe not guys maybe not i don't think the, that's good no. and then they go then they go to minnesota what the fuck is happening with this conference why are you guys doing why are they doing uh-huh. this? That's a sturdy 0 and 3 start, Holy huh? shit, yeah. And then UCLA at home. That's also a loss. They get Air- I'll say this. If they are able to split with TCU and Air Force, that's a huge, no, they huge can't, start. No, they can't do that. They don't have any good football players. That's the, they, they, I don't think they do, but if they pull something out of their ass, they basically, here's what you got to do if you're Colorado. Do not prep for TCU game at all. Spend yeah. the entire offseason <laughs> preparing for Air Force. See, personally... 
I would I would go the other way. I think Air Force is quite a bit better than TCU this year. Um, <clears throat> like I think Air Force might win the Mountain West. I would uh, I would go all in on the TCU game, and then I just play all my reserves for the Air Force game so that the starters well, don't get hurt. The thing about the Colorado, of course, is that they don't have many good players, but the ones they do are all uh, defensive linemen and linebackers. So uh-huh. if you're going to stop any team, you might have a chance to stop a triple option team. I think that what's going to happen here is the same thing that happened last season to Georgia State when it played Army where Georgia State was probably more talented than Army was in terms of, like, players in the trenches. But Army did the same thing just over and over, running the same play like it does every single down, every single play, and scored, like, 42 points or something like that. And at the end of the game, Georgia State's players were, like, fighting (laughs) with Army players. They kept getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct. They had guys getting kicked out of the game because they were just mad, right? They were just offended about the whole thing. I think it's going to be the same thing that happens here. Colorado's culture is not strong enough to withstand what Air Force will do to a team. Like this is well, that's why I'm saying if you're Carl Durrell, you wouldn't you wouldn't have any chance to come out of the season with a win. Uh, you just have to be competitive in this game so your culture doesn't get blown oh, up. Man, but imagine how much worse it would be if you invest your entire offseason in beating a G five option team and they still kick your ass. Well, you're already getting fired. This happens, you're already getting fired. If he goes one eleven, he's gonna get fired anyway. So I mean, if maybe if he wins three games, he has a chance. Like if he can Beat Air Force, probably into a win against Arizona, and then just sneak in one other the rest of the season. Maybe Cal or Arizona State at home. Good. Like Boy. maybe three and nine gives you one more year to get get paid. Yeah, so they're gonna start zero and four. Then they go to Arizona. I think they're probably going to win that game, right? Uh, they have yeah. They have guys who can play defensive line, and I think that that's going to yeah. They're going to kick Jane Delores' ass. Jane yeah. Delores is not going to. He's going to be dirty. Yeah. So one and four by week. Cal at home. Probably not. Uh, at Oregon State, certainly not. Arizona State at home, maybe. Arizona State's yeah, going to be late a, October. They could have yeah, by that. Arizona State's going to be a wild card on a lot of these schedules because we don't know exactly when Herman's going to get fired, but it could be any time. And I think yeah. the team might get a little bit uh, loose and 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 fun with it after that. Um, and also. As a reminder, I try to mention this as much as I can. Emory Jones is the quarterback at Arizona State, which is. People are scared to admit that. People are scared to admit that. Uh, Oregon at home, at USC, at Washington, Utah at home to end the season. That's a fun. So, that's a so fun last four they're starting 0-4 and they're finishing 0-4. And then they're but losing. That four. And then they're losing four in between as well. <laughs> <laughs> the classic 0-4 triple decker. We all love to see. <laughs> no, I think they're probably going to beat Arizona and maybe Arizona State, but that's it. That is absolutely it. They're not getting more than that. I think it's probably one and eleven for these guys yep, yep. all right so Jesus. <laughs> uh tier four I, I i had initially tier five as one or sorry i had i had tier four as one giant tier with like six teams in it that i all thought were terrible after talking through arizona and colorado i really could not bear with them the same tiers any other teams these teams are especially awful yeah so they are now tier five and we have tier four here starting with stanford listen the buck stops with you the listener Stop pretending David Shaw is an elite coach. Yeah. We have almost gotten the last train of this out of our media after years of effort from people like me and Patrick, but we are not quite there yet. We have to continue the final push and eradicate this forever. We have this guy on national media playing that Tanner McKee is a potential first round pick. This guy is shittier Ryan Mallett. Yeah. He's, he's lying to you. He's lying to your face. The, the 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 schmucks, the losers over at CBS who are ranking this guy in their top coaches every year, they're lying to your face. They think that you're stupid. They think you don't know yeah. what's going on. 
You gotta, you gotta Stu stand Mandel, up. Stu Mandel was caught having dinner at the French Laundry with uh, uh, David Shaw recently. Yeah, uh, among other the lying other... fake news corrupt media. Yeah, among other things, he was recently caught doing. He... <laughs> <laughs> with a French girl named Laundry. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so look, David Shaw sucks. Tanner McKee sucks. Tanner McKee, he's just big. He is a definition of he's, he's just big. big. Yeah, he's six foot six. He's not good. No. Yeah, that's that's. Uh... Yeah, that's that's your big problem with this guy is that he can't throw the football very well. We're having this conversation a lot with teams like this is that they have these players who people for some reason seem to say are good that aren't good. They're just not good at football. That's the biggest thing that these guys Why are Why does this with. happen? They just don't watch the games? What is going on? Yeah, I guess it's just on too late. So they're like, yeah, Stanford's probably still fine, right? Tanner McKee's probably doing all right. Um, and here's the other thing, too. This guy took a two-year mission to Brazil. Don't ever draft a quarter. Look, I'll respect anyone, any faith, whatever you want to do with your your religions. That's your choice. If you're taking two years off football as a quarterback, I'm not going to draft you. It's just not going to happen. If the quarterback has been to South America, I don't want him. That's just how I feel. <laughs> I just don't want him. He doesn't Something take football. It. He doesn't take football seriously. Anyone who's ever gone to South America doesn't take football seriously. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's <laughs> let's back that up. Uh, I have quite a few friends from Germany who take football very seriously. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They take it very, very seriously. Some would say deadly seriously. (laughs) They take the nuclear football very seriously. Anyway, um, look, uh, Stanford does rank third in Bill Connolly's training production, uh, but I'm not sure that I care, right? Like, they they went three and nine last year with seven consecutive losses. They're a bum ass team. Yeah. They do have a couple of receivers for for Tanner McKee to throw to, or Bryson Tremaine and Elijah Higgins. Yeah. They're both big dudes, big red zone targets, but McKee is so inaccurate and efficient, especially in the red zone. Like, what's, I guess, what's the value, right? Like, I think Higgins is an NFL player. I think, I think, uh, I think Tremaine might be too, but uh, Tanner McKee is not accurate. He's especially not accurate in tight windows, the red zone. Yeah. Um, they have five guys who have at least 12 career starts uh, back on the offensive line. Uh, they average 21 starts amongst them. Uh, despite that, they just – they suck, though, and they have never been able to block. Like, those guys yeah. have been together as a unit for, like, over a year now, and they, they don't block really well. They don't really run the ball, which the things they ever used to be able to do is just run the football, which meant their, their bad quarterback play, aside from Andrew Luck, just didn't matter because they mm-hmm. could run the ball at will. Um, but now, unfortunately, for EJ Smith, who's a running back and the son of uh, Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, mm-hmm. also a friend of the show. Shout out to EJ. Yep. Um, unfortunately for him, he does not have any good linemen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he would be pretty good if he had any linemen. But Stanford has stopped developing those for whatever reason. I don't know. Legitimately, I don't know what the cause of that is. It seemed like they had a pretty good system for that, and they just stopped. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just that the line isn't it's just, it's the same thing here the line isn't good enough to to sustain any stuff that they want to do they they are a line driven program with a bad offensive line and they have been for several yeah. years now and it on top of that Tanner McKee's not very good he's just not a very good quarterback he doesn't throw the ball well he's not he's not accurate you know it's it's just he's just big he's literally just big it's he's worse Davis Mills and he also wasn't good <laughs> i just i you can't yeah, and you're basically hoping if you're if you're Stanford that like the fact that you have two NFL receivers uh, means it just won't matter because you can beat guys on matchups. But yeah. I can tell you from watching the last several years of USC play football, that doesn't work. That doesn't way. work, especially yeah. You're not even doing the offense that is for that, right? You're still like right. They're an air raid team. It didn't work. Yeah, like like Stanford is. It certainly has shifted away from from the the power run in the way that it used to do, which I think was a poor decision and has led them where they are now. But it's like. They, they still aren't passing the ball especially well. It's not a very complex passing attack. It's just not 
You know, that's that's you're asking a guy who is not a passing game coordinator to coordinate a passing game. It's just it's not how you do things here. It doesn't make sense. There's a whole bunch of stuff here that is just mismatched and it has been taken so far that it's like no longer recognizable as anything. They don't have any identity. They're just a blob of bad football. They don't believe in anything, but they're also not good at anything. It's 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 right. It's a waste of time. They're a, they're a pro style like a pro style program with no pro style talent or pro style coaching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, but hey, Stanford, do you want a, a coach uh, who has experience creating an elite offense at a small, academically serious private school? It's time to go hire Dave Clawson. Mm, I thought you were going to say Ryan Day. <laughs> oh, uh, no, uh, I, I would not describe Ohio State as a small, academically no. serious private school. No, I was I was with you until you said the uh, the academically uh, serious private school. A but coach knows how to coach offense. I'm all, I don't think any part of that statement's true, right? I guess you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I hear that. I, I hear that Clay Helton is available. I hear that his brother Clay Higgins is available. You're gonna want to go get somebody <laughs> named Clay. That's gonna be your first could, step. Could, Patrick, could you? What would it sound like to you if Clay Higgins was was the coach at Stanford? Maybe just if Clay Higgins was on campus at Stanford, what would that sound like? I don't think I can do that one. I don't think that I'm able physically to do that one. <laughs> oh, man. It would just be Ed Orgeron, which I guess is pretty close. Uh, but, like, I don't know, saying something about the oak trees or something. I don't know. One of those. Yeah, I'm thinking about something like, uh, uh, you know, Goodwill Hunting, except it's like Clay Higgins doing the math problem. Yeah, before. that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I guess it's an MIT, not Stanford, but it's the same. You can oh, just easily oh, do that movie. Oh boy, get a look at get a look at those redwoods right there. That's pretty special right there. Look at them redwoods. I'm gonna eat one of them redwoods over there. I think it'd be something like that. It'd be really cool. You like, boy, you like gator? How you like them gators? <laughs> Sir, with a cardinal. You're the what? <laughs> the bird? No, the color. The what? Uh, Oh man. Um, anyway. So anyway, uh, guess what? Their defense also sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're switching from a three-four to a four-three. Oh, uh, but they, ha- they have already <laughs> they've ranked <laughs> in the bottom twenty-five in the country in yards per play allowed for three consecutive seasons. Um, they have basically every player back in their secondary. They're two deeps back. Um, they have a ton of talented players in its front. You remember if you follow recruiting, but. Mm-hmm. they're not being developed or deployed well like the, the staff is just really fucking bad across the line yeah they're not doing anything switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3 in 2022 is so good that's so that's so special like that you just that's the kind of incompetence that you they're just don't the tampa too yeah, yeah you just don't really <laughs> see that anymore right like like a uh you know a, a team in 2022 coming out and saying like we're gonna have a we're gonna run a uh, like a 2006 Patriots style offense. We're gonna base this on the Josh McDaniels playbook from like 2003, you know, and we're just gonna go from there. It's it's just a special kind of football dumb brain that just doesn't really exist anymore because most coaches don't think that you need to be running the four three in 2022, and it's like Stanford is caught in some sort of time loop where it can't escape from 2004. It's stuck there forever. And so it's just like, I can't wait to watch the Raiders on Monday night football. That's the big thing that the Stan- that Stanford's really excited about is watching its local team, the Raiders play on Monday night football. You know, it's, it is crazy. It's just, this they also is- like uh, up and down the roster. They have like some very serious players like, uh, or not another roster. I don't know the defensive line and the edge players. Like mm-hmm. they have a lot of guys who were, Going to yeah. be good. Like, yeah, they're I mean, really they, good recruiters. They land four recruiters stars by, and five uh, stars every year in the trenches. They, they yeah, listen to. I mean, you barely follow recruiting, but listen to this list. Like they have Aeneas to Cosmo, Alfredo Abar, Aaron Armitage, Stephen Aaron, uh, Stephen Heron. Sorry, uh, David Bailey, Ernest Cooper, 
Uh, those are all like highly recruited names that were like gone after by a lot of other different programs. Um, I think I'm forgetting others here in the linebacker group too, but like a lot of dudes that a lot of other teams wanted uh, who they just can't do anything with at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, what's really funny thinking about this is, is that there's a, a name in my mind that I cannot get out when I think about this program for like what I think would honestly do what they are attempting to achieve. What would, what would do the, the blend of sort of power stuff and new football stuff that they are trying to do that is not working with what they currently are doing. And I don't know that this would be as a head coach, that feels like a lot, but as an offensive coordinator is Matt Canada. I think Matt Canada would legitimately do what they are trying to do. And it's just that he's like, he's such an asshole that you don't want to hire him. But I think that he is running the offense that they want to be running. They're just not doing it with him. And he's, it's such a specific offense to him. It's like, why don't you just hire the guy who's doing it already? What is, what is yeah. why are you trying to synthesize fucking Matt Canada? You could just get him. It's not like he's hard to get. Yeah, it's not hard. I mean, he is an NFL offensive coordinator, but we all know he's getting fired this year. Yeah, he's an NFL offensive coordinator in name only. It's not like, you know, I, I, I don't imagine that after this season he will be tied down know. to anything. I don't know. I don't know if there's an NFL podcast, but like, the reports last year with like like basically Ben Roethlisberger just like waved off all the plays Canada wanted to run or like wouldn't like conduct any motion on the offense and just like he's like no we're not doing that yeah yeah it, it, uh... he's like I haven't done that in my first you know ninety four years in the NFL I'm not doing it now yeah. so now they're gonna make Mitch Trubisky run it which is gonna be pretty funny to see but he's a quarterback that I think actually could whatever I'm not getting to the Steelers with you yeah. it's not it's not fun uh, but. Anyway, the only pitch for Stanford's experience, right? They have experienced players and experienced yeah. coaches who have all been bad and inefficient their entire careers. If you think they'll magically get better with more reps, that's about being bad for more reps previously. That is your choice. I do not believe they will do that. Um, let's take a look at their schedule. Yeah, Stanford's players have experienced a lot of very bad shit for several years now, and so they're ready to go. They're all fired up. They've got a lot of returning production of guys who have only experienced bad shit. Um, and yeah. I think that they're probably going to uh, they're probably going to handle it really well. <laughs> I think that they're probably going to fare really well, given that they have just an entire room of guys who have only ever played bad football. That seems yeah. yeah. Uh, so they start the season home against Colgate. So they do they will get a win. They are not in the Arizona crowd here. Uh, USC at home is going to be a loss by week in week three. Not a tone That's not setting. what you want. This is not a tone setting program. You have a bye week in week three. You are not a tone setting program. And then, and then especially in the schedule they have coming out of the bye week too, which we're going to talk about here yeah. in one second. Yeah, uh, looking at this a this little is bit. A, this is a way to set up for failure. Yeah, at Washington, out of the bye week, loss. At Oregon, loss. Oregon State at home, loss. At Notre Dame, loss. One in is five. there any scenario they could beat Oregon State to you? That's the only one that, that I think that they would have a chance in. And even then, Oregon State is just eating their lunch at this point, right? Like Oregon they're, just a better, just, they're doing a better version. Yeah, they're just doing a better ways. version of it. Um, then they get Arizona State at home. I think they could win that game. At UCLA... Washington State at home, I think, is another one that's a possibility. At Utah, at mm. Cal, BYU at home to end the season. They're getting three maximum. I think it's probably two. I, I I would take two and ten. I think basically they'll beat Colgate, and then of Oregon State, Arizona State, and Washington State, they'll steal one of those games. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, maybe what's maybe we could toss maybe we could toss Cal in there too. Away picks, but uh, let's let's see. I have it pulled up really quick here. Um, Stanford's projected win total, the over-under is four and a half wins. That's a tasty under. Nice. Four and a half. You got to think they also beat Cal if you take the over on that? Four and a half. Even then, it would be that they would have to beat Colgate, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State, and Cal. (laughs) Holy shit. Not going to happen. 
You oh were there smoking God. that shit that made Santa oh Marquise. God, that's one hell of a wow. That's really bad. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Stanford also going to be bad. It's going to be a while before we get to teams that are going to have winning records. I think I'm, I'm looking at three or four <laughs> Maybe more. Maybe tier probably. three they start. Maybe yeah. end of yeah. tier three they might have a shout out. Them yeah. All right. Of break. Next up, uh, Arizona State. Arizona State. They lost 16 players to transfer portal, Patrick, clean nearly every good player they had. Uh-huh. They have almost an entire fully brand new coaching staff. Um, their starting quarterback, their top two running backs, their top three pass catchers, and all but one player from last year's team who accounted for over 250 yards of career scrimmage production are gone from the skill core. Yeah. Besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how's the play? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Emery Jones is going to lead this team, a quarterback with sophomore uh, Daniel Nada. And my only transfer as uh, is Avian Valaday. He's, He's a productive, if unspectacular runner. Yeah. Uh, right out the backfield. They have a Vanderbilt transfer, Cam Johnson at receiver. They got uh, Johnny Wilson, Andre Johnson. Yeah. Um, they're going to suck, right? Every Jones really can't throw. Their play calling staff is terrible. Uh, they have three starting offensive linemen gone, but they brought in a pro style OC to work with Jones, who's terrible as a passer. <laughs> You're trying to make Emory Jones, who's like, who can barely pass, become a pro style quarterback. And he also isn't even that good as a runner. Uh, and you, you lost all the good running backs. We're going to help him out. Why did they bring him in? There were so many guys in the transfer portal who are like statues that can't really do anything. Why did they? Well, because come on. what what? Who's going to trust this staff to get it right for them? I guess that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, boy, this is bad. This is, um, they have like, I, I think a higher chance of at least winning a couple games because one, they have a, they have an FCS school and they also have a Mac school on their schedule. Um, and because like, I don't know, they might have a couple kind of okay FBS level college football players, which I don't know that the three we just talked about really do outside of like Stanford's wide receivers or the defensive tackles at Colorado. Like I like um, Nesta Silvier or uh, yeah, Silvera from, from Miami. I think he's okay at defensive tackle. I yeah. They've got a few like, transfers. I like yeah, defense. I, but... I, I like the, uh, the Wyoming transfer at halfback. I like Johnny Wilson and, and Cam Johnson a decent amount. Um, even one of their shittier wide receivers, Jordan Potter is gone or Porter is gone. He transferred into the Mountain West. I don't remember which school off the top of my head, but like, yeah, it's just there's just not there's just not a whole lot else here. They lost all of their players, and like the, the some of the it, I I really don't know how they managed this in the portal to put bring in guys who are like in some cases actual P five talents. Um, yeah, they were wanted. Like Cam Johnson was wanted by a lot of yeah, teams. Yeah, Cam Johnson was good, right? Like he's he's a good player and you know, Nesta Silvera was a four star and Emory Jones was a four star and it's like I don't really know what they did to convince these guys to do this because it's just it's just Well I mean I'll point out here not to like shit on college kids or whatever, but like I, I had some experience being around Nesta Silvera and Emory Jones. Like back uh-huh. in this is they they were fucking recruits long enough ago that I knew them and Yeah. I'm not gonna say they're bad kids, but I certainly wouldn't describe them as guys that seemed very focused on football. You know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, I get that impression. Yeah, I don't think they're taking the sport super seriously. So, I mean, they're kind of maybe hanging out in Arizona State for a year before calling it a career. Yeah, I understand. Uh, the the, pro- the problem of building your entire team out of transfers like this, basically, you, you have like a last chance you set up at the P5 level, is like. If you blow it early, these guys are all just going to quit, right? Because I think most of them know they're not like. Aside from 
uh, Cam Johnson, a couple others. Like these guys aren't pro football players. Cam, they all know that. Cam right? Johnson is the one that is really confusing to me. I don't understand why he did that. I feel like he could have gone to a really good G5 school instead of doing this. Literally makes zero yeah, sense. This yeah, is sort of totally like, baffling. It's, this is like maybe he's trying to make the decision that like five-star basketball players are increasingly making where they go to a bad P5 school and then they just go fucking nuts and they end up going in the first you know 10 picks or whatever. Like It seems like Alabama is producing a top five player every year. And it's like, what are you guys? How are you guys doing this? You know, in, in, yeah. uh, in basketball, like, well, they have NATO. This is why. Yeah, but but like even before that, it, it seems like you'd have you know you'll have guys like that. It was um, Markel Fultz at Washington. You know, players like that, guys who go to LSU. Anybody who ever signs with LSU is doing this. Um, and it, it, maybe he's trying <laughs> to do that, right? Where he's just like, well, I'm going to have 150 receptions on a really shitty team, but I'm going to have 150 receptions. Um, but even then, like, I don't know, man. You need somebody. It's not quite like basketball. You do need somebody to throw you the ball if as a wide receiver. And I don't. And know. someone to block for the guy throwing yeah, the ball too. And so like, I don't. And someone I, to call the plays. Yeah. So like, I I think that he's probably going to have a good season, but. It's uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of these guys, especially somebody like um. Uh, well, I'll say this: they're gonna have to throw the football a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Somebody like uh, like like uh, Xavier Valade from Wyoming, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Why? P five school. I mean, like if I if I were him, I can get out of Laramie, Wyoming for for my last year of college. Like, look, he's not a pro player. Come yeah, on. I guess, man. It's just uh, he's a plugger. That's... He was a plugger at the Mountain West level. He's a plugger at this level too. But like, yeah. The thing that sucks is they have two power running backs with no offensive line to block for him. Like, yeah, that does suck. This is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't see. I I do like the again. I keep coming back. I like the receivers. Yeah. Uh. That's it. That's all I have to say about the offense that I like. I, I think they have really good receivers. I don't think it'll matter. I just don't think teams work that way anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. The I, defense, I, I, I don't know. They lost their coordinator. They lost three starters in the line. They lost their best linebacker. They lost four starters in the secondary. They had a really good unit last year, like legitimately, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They're going to take a massive step back in the offseason, I think. Um, they have all these guys they lost, and it's a first-year coordinator trying to like kind of coordinate a defense with this little experience. They only have experience in the front. Like you said, Nesto Vera is a good tra- quality transfer. They have B.J. Green, Michael Mattis, Anthony Cooper, Trevez Moore. They have two six-year linebackers in Kyle Sowell and Merlin Robertson. Yeah. I'll just say this. If you're a six-year linebacker, uh, you're playing college in six years for a reason. I have, right? yeah, I have worries about you. Yeah, if, you, if you've made it six years in as a linebacker. Yeah, I think the front seven might be okay. It's not going to be, like, awful. I don't think. It's just this this secondary is going to be in a in a tough state, I think. Yeah. I mean, the whole Herm thing is he's supposed to have, you know, I know he probably didn't get the choice to make any hires given his current situation, but yeah. his whole thing is he's supposed to have friends with NFL connections and you're bringing it for a guy who's never coordinated defense at any level to coordinate your defense now. Yeah. And like a year where you need defensive help. Herm's whole thing is that he's supposed to have friends and that has not yet borne out, which is an issue for them. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, schedule- Herm is qualified scaring the hose right That's now. That's right. Uh, schedule is not great. Schedule is, is, I guess it could be worse, but not like much worse. Um, they start the season with Northern Arizona at home. That's going to be a win. I can tell you right now, Northern Arizona is a disaster uh, from, from what I remember most recently. Um, then they go to Oklahoma State, which is going to be a disaster probably of a, uh, of a different form. And then they get Eastern Michigan at home. I think they could start 2-1. and one. I don't know that I'm confident they're going to beat Eastern Michigan, but I, I think they probably... I would pick them too, right? Yeah. I think I think I'd pick them too. Eastern Michigan is just, it's, it, it, you know, it, talent-wise is limited, and Arizona State does still have the advantage. They're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. I think probably 2-1 and one to start. Uh, I hope they enjoy that because there might be one or two more on the schedule. Uh, Utah yeah. at home, at USC, Washington at home, into an off week. Um, 
they're going to lose all three of those games, two and four. At Stanford, at Colorado, UCLA at home, at Washington State are the four out of the bye week. Brutal to get those ones on the road because any of those three would have been infinitely more winnable if you get them at home, but getting all three of them on the road. And then they also get at Arizona to end the season with Oregon State at home in between. Um, I just think they need at least one of Stanford or Colorado. I do too. Um, I, I, I think that... Uh, I think they go one and two in that, that yeah, stretch. But like I just, Plus the loss to UCLA. Yeah. I, I, I just, they really got a tough draw with these road games. I think that they would win two or three of those were it not for, you know, those being on the road, whereas now it's it's probably closer to one or two. I don't remember what we said about the other teams. I think that they beat Colorado. I think they beat Arizona and one of Stanford Colorado. Uh, I kind of want to give them both. I, I think they might end up going five and seven just on accident, but um, I certainly don't think they're going to beat any of UCLA, Washington State, or Oregon State. I, I think that I think that they will have a chance. It's going to depend on if the team has fallen apart at this point, which I suppose is a, a distinct possibility after Utah, USC, Washington, yeah. back to back to back. I think I basically I'll take them going four and eight is my is my prediction. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't know how they get there, but that that seems that seems fair to me. Um, all right, next up, it's yeah, Cal. Which again, uh, I'll just I'll just tease here. Tasty line, tasty line in that one as well. We got. I think we might be making some money at the Pac-12 this year, Patrick. Uh, uh-huh. I'm sure this year we'll nail it. After we last will be year the only office. people making money on the Pac-12 this year, which is going to be very exciting for us. Uh, next, <laughs> a couple up, guys from Ohio making money at the Pac-12. Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, um, ne- next up is Cal. Um, boy, it it doesn't get much better. It really doesn't get much better. It's pretty much all bad. Yeah, uh, I, I really can't get a good read of Justin Wilcox here. I don't know. Like, they lost five games last season by a touchdown or less, and, and they, they should be, like, a positive re- regression candidate because of that. Like, when you lose that many close games by one score, it usually means you bounce back a little bit. But it's also difficult to just identify any momentum or trends here after five seasons. Like, yeah. they usually have a good defense, but they're 26-28 and 28 with just two bowl appearances. The team has no real identity. It's just a definition of an average to below average college football team. Yeah. Um. I would say the offense probably takes a huge step back this year too, right? Like six of their top seven receivers are gone and they're not going to start fucking Jack Plummer from Purdue at quarterback. Yeah. They lose. Brother, Chase, they lose you were starting Chase Jack Garbers, Plummer. Losing Chase Garbers, who was not good by any means, but certainly wasn't like, he wasn't Jack Plummer. Um, Bill Musgrave is somehow still here. I really don't Unreal. understand how Bill Musgrave has continued to be employed at this point. It, it's really, it kind of blows my mind um, that that he has done this, but like, yeah, the offense is going to be really bad again, and I think that that's going to be just a limiting factor for these guys. The defense has like eight starters to replace. I just, I don't really see anything to be excited about with with these guys. They're not. Yeah. I think that it's it's probably another year like last year where they're just sort of the offense is so dreadfully bad, and the defense, even if it does probably round into form, which I think it will, because it's Wilcox and that's what they do, but it's still not going to be enough to make up for the fact that they can't fucking score any points. The offense is dreadful. It's like one of the worst offenses in college football. It's really, really bad. They had their best year ever under him last year in his fifth season, and it, they ranked 60th in yards per play in the FBS. Oh, boy. Yeah, 96th in scoring. It, it just – it's it's bad. It's it's really bad. It's structurally, it is bad. I don't understand it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I will say – I don't know. I think you think the defense will be worse. I think they'll still be, like you said – They'll end up top 25, top 30. They're always there, right? Like they always, they always end up doing that. Um, the secondary is going to be strong at least. This team just needs to start getting some pressure again. 
Yeah. Like they, they did not generate sacks or TFLs last season. They also lost their sack leader from the team. Yeah. Um, which is tough. They're just not getting pressure. Like, like the secondary is damn good and they're really well coached, but at a certain point in time, they're going to break if you can't get any help for them. Yeah. Just the way it works. Yeah. I like, um, what's his name? Brett Johnson is coming back on the defensive line. I think he's going to be pretty good. He was, he had a, an injury last year that ended his full season ahead of time. And like, there's some talent in the front that I think could, that I think could generate a pass rush, but yeah, it's largely a secondary driven team, which is, as it has been linebackers should be okay. Um, defense, I think is going to be fine. It's just the offense is so severely limited by its own doing. They, they have chosen this. This is what they want to do offensively. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be limiting. It's going to be limiting pretty much regardless of what the defense does. Yeah. Not a fan, not a fan. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, I guess the nice thing to say about them is they're just steady though. Like they're well coached. They usually find a way to get close to 500 over the the border. <laughs> like they also can't find a way to get past that, but, um, maybe they set up for something better at the year after this. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so here's their schedule. Yeah, schedule this year looks a lot like five and seven. I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. So they, they lead off the season with, I think what I think are two wins. They get UC Davis and UNLV at home. Yeah. Um, before they go on the road to Notre Dame where they will lose. Yes. Um, then they get Arizona at home. I think it's a three and one start. I do too. Um, I think it might be a four. Which is, start. which is good. Cause then they go at Wazdoo. That's a tough game, man. I think that being a road game makes it hard for me to pick Cal. What, what do you think here? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say Wazoo gets it for now. Um, just, uh, you know, being at, at Washington State, I would assume that's probably going to be a night game, which is not fun to do there. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give it to Washington State. By week, at Colorado, <laughs> out of the bye And I think between the two of them, Wazoo has the one dynamic player on the field with Cameron Ward. Yeah, um, and then out of the bye week, like I said, I think they they go to Colorado. They will win that game. Uh, so we're talking about four and two, um, which is I hope maybe they, five and one. Yeah, a a very funny one. scenario. We have a five and one. I hope they enjoy. It. I hope they enjoy that because then it's Washington at home, Oregon at home, at USC, at Oregon State for the next four. They're going to lose all four of those games. Um, so we'd be talking about probably four and five at this point, Stanford at home, uh, and then five UC- and five, yeah, Stanford or, at home and, and then, six. and then, uh, UCLA to end the season. So probably five and seven. Yep. I see five and seven. Yep. There's a chance they get to a bowl game here against six and six. There is like, if they can go, if they can, they can beat bat hundred against, uh, Stanford, Colorado, Washington state, Arizona, yep. uh, they can get to six wins and make yeah. a cool game. That's not that's not impossible, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, they need to beat Wazoo. I think it's going to come down pretty much to if they beat Wazoo, they are they are headed to a bowl game. If not, they're five and seven, which is pretty much just where they are now. I think that's just where they live until they hire a new head coach or defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator or just something. Just do something else, anything else, uh, other than yeah, other than this. It's so boring. I mean, it's so fucking boring. Yep. Um, all right, so Wazoo, at least they have a new head I mean, they, they have a, you know, semi-ish new head coach. He's still yeah. kind of new. Jake Dickert feels new. Yeah, they, uh, they, got, something, they got something new here. They got uh, that new coach smell. Yeah, I don't know. I think he has some expectations, right? Like, they, they, they brought in uh, Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word and FCS mm-hmm. School, uh, as well as the offensive coordinator, Eric Morris. Yep. Uh, Eric Morris is an air raid disciple, which kind of Wazoo fans expect at this point. Um, he's a little bit less of a purist than like the Mike Leach versions of what we saw of that. Yeah. Um, Cameron Ward last year finished the runner-up for the Walter Payton Award. He accounted for over 4,700 yards, nearly like 50 touchdowns as the starting quarterback for Carnet Ward. Yeah. Um, he's good. I, we we talked about him a little while ago, and we were sort of dismissive. I will. He's good. He is a good quarterback. I just don't think he's like the best quarterback in America. Yeah. I mean, he also has a really funky release too. Like that's yeah. a. 
He's a weird dude. He, yeah. It, it's a it's bizarre because he actually once he puts the hand moving forward, it's very quick release. But the wind up is one to his side and too long. Like yeah. if he plays a team with a good defensive line or if and when he gets the NFL, he's going to get strip sacked out of his fucking mind constantly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to say Cameron Ward looks a lot like a guy who was talented enough to play FBS football, but had such a weird release in high school that he was largely overlooked and ended up at the FCS level, which I think is exactly what happened. That is. There's a lot of quarterbacks like that. You will see those guys all over the FCS level. A lot of the best quarterbacks in those ranks are guys who, like, either in high school or still just had kind of fucked up releases, right? Like, not necessarily uh, devastating, ending their career kind of releases, but just not very good, weird or slow or, or somehow stilted in some way. And he is he is that guy. But it doesn't mean he's not talented. He's just sort of blows the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the good news here is he's going to have some help uh, from returning contributors at wide receiver with Lincoln Victor, Renard Bell, a seventh-year senior, by the way, Renard Bell. Yeah. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, they've got Donovan Ali, Dijon Stribling. He's great. Uh, I, and I, they also I, have a D2 transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird. He went from D2 football to Hawaii, and now he's at uh, Wazoo. His name is Drake Owen. Yeah. Uh, and apparently a lot of people also like freshman Orion Peters. So kind of pretty deep in the receiver room, as you'd expect from a Wazoo team. Yeah. All those guys will rotate in. Um, I, I really, the production there. I'll mention Stribling specifically. I really like him. I think he's going to be really good. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I, at, at running back, they do have a guy you probably heard of from being the guy at Wisconsin who got passed by every other Wisconsin running back you've ever heard of mm-hmm. in the last three years before he transferred. And that is Nakia Watson. Yep. You guys remember Nakia Watson? Big Nakia Watson heads over here. <laughs> Can't get enough yeah. of the guy. Yeah. I, uh, I think the offense is going to be fine. I, I, I think it's fair to have expectations, especially for this offense. I think Cam Ward's going to be good. I think that this receiver room is really good. Um, I don't imagine they're going to be able to run the ball a ton because they have the Wisconsin cast off and those are not usually the best players to pull into your room. And also three new alignment. Too. Yeah. And three yeah. new alignment. But like, I, I like Grant Stevens who's transferring in on the offensive line. I think the offense is going to be pretty good. It wasn't like, I don't think offense was really their issue last season either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think this should be a top 30 to 35 offense this season. I think it's a real expectation for them. Yeah. I, I think um, I'm fairly impressed with Dickert as well so far that they didn't collapse last season is, is, a little bit. I don't know that it has been talked about enough that that's like impressive that they didn't completely fall apart given what, what all was happening. They went three and three and went to a bowl game with him. Um, that's pretty good. I mean that that's that's hard to do. And so I'm curious to see how he follows that up as a full time head coach. I think that in general I've I've liked his moves. I think that the um, the Western Kentucky idea of just transplanting an offense, a successful offense from the FCS level, makes sense at this kind of school where you're going to be you're going to be running that offense anyway you might as well get a head start right you might as well go get a guy who already has a quarterback that's really good that he likes and just install those two together um i i think that the offense is going to work out really well it's just that they're going to be limited by their defense like they always are right right um now you were in a few facebook groups with nick rolovich i believe are are you guys still active in those do you still talk with him yeah, I was banned, unfortunately, for some posts that I made, but I, uh, I, we have a private chat that we have going on over in, uh, you know, it's it's an application that I think people who use the application will know without me needing to say it. Mm, okay, for yeah. sure. Uh, now, Patrick, their defense, I, I want to give you some room to talk here, but they are led by a former Nevada defensive coordinator, Brian Ward. Yeah. Came up in the same uh, North Dakota State system that brought Dickert uh, to this level, uh, and he brings two expected service with him, the back seven from Nevada as transfers. Yeah. Um, they also have two of the kind of top pass rushing duos in the country with Ron Stone and Brandon Jackson here. Yeah. Um, Armani Mosh, Marsh was at Nickelback rather. 
maybe the most reliable player. They have a ton of upside in this unit. What are you expecting from Brian Ward? First of all, I can't I can't hear the the defensive lineman Ron Stone without thinking about the rapper Rob Stone. <laughs> do you remember him? <laughs> yes, oh, yes, man. I do. Got to bring him back. Uh, he made what was it? He made the uh, the Kill Bill song, right? He took the whistling from Kill Bill and made it into a song. I'm pulling uh, up his. Uh... Pulling up his discography right now. Yeah, we got to assume uh, that yeah, the, the the two are related. They're they're brothers. Um, I man, Nebraska. Uh, chill, chill, Bill. Was chill, the song. Bill. Yeah, that's chill right. Bill. Uh, Nevada certainly isn't the place I'd be pulling a defensive coordinator from. I don't think <laughs> if I was if I was doing that, I don't know that I would be looking to Nevada's secondary and defensive staff to be like. Yeah, that's the guy we want. I get that it's kind of a similar program. Um, but that's uh. I don't know. That's not ideal. I would say to to <laughs> to be saying, yeah, we got the Nevada guy. Um, I like that. I like a lot of the guys on the defense. I do, but it's it's a little tough for me to see that. I think it's probably going to look a lot like Nevada did last year. Where the offense is really good, and the defense is like at best just sort of out of the way, which is, I mean, I guess not the worst thing in the world for the defense to do. But um, I don't have super high hopes, even with the the talent that's here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if they can be just an average unit, right? If they're an average unit this season with this offense, I think that gets them to a full game. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Schedule bears out that as, that as well. They start with Idaho at home, which is a win. Uh, at Wisconsin, which is a loss. Colorado State at home and Oregon. But, but is it necessary? Like, I mean, yes. I think they lose to Wisconsin, but you get a stinky Graham Mertz game earlier in the year. Uh, first of all, this is putting Paul Christ firmly on the hot seat. Yeah, Paul Christ. And second... Will- if he loses this game, Paul Christ will be killed by one of the flipping the field Patriots out in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> he will be summarily Correct. No, I think we all know which one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I know. So one-on-one after that start, they get Colorado State at home, they'll win that game. Uh, Oregon at home, that's a loss, two-and-two two start. Cal at home, I think we, we had them kind of splitting a couple of games. I'd say they beat Cal at home, right? Yeah, I, think, I, I, think, we, I think we gave it to them there, so I'm going to give it to them here as well. I think they beat Cal at home. Um, okay. Especially three, looking two. at the looking at the teams. Uh, at USC is up next, three and three, and then at Oregon State is, I think, a hinge point in the season. I would say. I mean, a hinge point to, to like, what? Like in so far six, as like six, seven and five. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I, I guess. Um, I think that's going to be a pretty critical game. I would say for for sort of telling the direction of this team as it stands this year and and in the future. I think that that is a. I think that's a really important game for both teams. They're kind of jockeying for the same positioning right now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, 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 I don't know. I think it matters a bit. I, I think also if Wazoo loses this game, I think they still make a bowl game based on the end of their season schedule. Yeah, they end the season. They got a bye week after the Oregon State game. Utah at home is a loss. At Stanford, Arizona State at home, Arizona on the road are all wins, and then Washington at home. So they would still get to six. Um, but it would certainly be nice to beat Oregon State. I think that Oregon State. Yeah, it'd be is, cool. Yeah. I, I think that, like I said, they're kind of. I mean, they're they're in the same division. They're sort of jockeying for the same spot in that division where they are below Oregon and and Washington, but hoping to be the distinct number three with the chance of sometimes jumping up to number two. I suppose it's not going to matter a whole lot moving forward, given the fact that the conference is going to collapse. But um, that's not worth talking about right now. <laughs> we've 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 had that discussion, uh, and I I just. I don't know. There's there's sort of an interesting burgeoning rivalry here between these two as they they look to yeah that'd be cool if they they kind of did embrace each other more as secondary rivals. I would enjoy that. I think they should do that. Yeah, they should do that because they're kind of doing the same 
they're doing like the program builder loved by his players thing, but they're doing it in completely different stylistic ways, which I just think is really interesting. I don't know that like, I don't think that there's like huge expectations for either one. I just think it would be neat to watch every year, those two sort of, and obviously they play every year, but to, to play it up more as like the, you know, this is a big game for us. We want to win this game against this team who is a realistic rival. Yeah, they should call it a civil war or something. Yeah, something like that. I mean, who's to say? Maybe you know, maybe maybe something along those lines. Um, all right, next up is Oregon State, the the biggest rival. We're just gonna will it into existence. Washington State's biggest rival. They fucking hate these guys. These guys, Woo! you don't even want to know what's gonna happen when these fools get on the field together. Oh man, don't let Jonathan Jonathan Smith bring the burner out. Don't let yeah. Dustin catch him on the streets of Corvallis. Get ready for this game. Yeah, if Jonathan Smith sees Jake Dickert, he's got you know he's got the heat on him. You know he's pulling it out. It is it's over. on sight. It's on sight. He can't even bear to look at him. He's going to see him on the sideline. He's just going to go feral. He's losing his mind. They have to, He's bringing the blunderbuss out. Yeah, they got to restrain him. They got to restrain <laughs> both coaches like fucking Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. They're both strapped up to the boards. <laughs> they're, both, they're both strapped on. They're walking out to midfield. They've got those motherfucking things on them. They've got nine inches hanging off the front of their coaching sacks. <laughs> Oh man, it's wow! This is the biggest rivalry in sports, folks. This is the girthiest rivalry in sports. <laughs> Patrick, can we get a live reaction from your girlfriend in the background listening to us do this? I see her puttering about a little bit there. Any any kind of thoughts on what you're saying right now? Yeah, one second, Anna. What do you think about what we're saying right now? <laughs> She's got her head. What do you think about what we're saying right now? Have you heard any of this? She doesn't know. <laughs> okay. <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get her on the pod next week. Yeah. We'll, get her, we'll get her for a guest episode. Um, anyway, uh, the strength of this team is its O-line, right? Yep. They have uh, Jim Mickelzik, who is, to me, um, one of the absolute best offensive line coaches in the country. Um, they were one of the four finalists to Joe Moore Award last year for the nation's offensive line, uh, offensive line, rather, and they returned four starters this season. Um, they did lose their all-conference center and arguably their best uh, lineman overall, as well as their running back. I, I do think they should still have a really top-end running back game. Um, Chance Nolan was solid if not excellent last year, but he does lose his uh, top receiver, but also very little is asked of him. Um, yeah. Do you know who's still in their receiver rotation right now? Who's that? Ty John Lindsay. Oh, my God. Uh, what? Former five-star and Ohio State recruit. Oh he has God. now played 37 career games with just 60 receptions. <laughs> Um, for less than 700 oh, yards. Oh my god! Uh, but he should be a starter this fall in year six. Dude, that there's there's a there's a, a story to be written about that Bishop Gorman team, that 2017 Bishop Gorman or 2016 Bishop Gorman team. With uh, by far the best player on that team so far has been the backup quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah, yeah, you'd have Dorian Thompson Robinson just off the top of my head. DTR Tate Martell, uh, Haskell Garrett, Tyjon Lindsay. And Pali the safety. Ayano, Who is the safety? Palienaoteote, and then the safety was it Bubba Bolden? Yeah, it was Bubba Bolden. Oh, who, maybe that was. Yeah, he was also, really good, right? Who, no, he sucked too. He was also bad. 
He was one of those oh, guys. Oh, did he? Yeah, I think he was one of those guys who transferred to Miami when they were doing the last chance. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah, you're he right. You're right. You're they, right I think they had a couple Bishop Gorman guys do that. Um, just He's currently like, on the Seahawks 90 man roster, Jesus. by the way. Yeah, but like just a, a, a high school team that just dominated. They, they won like every game by like 20 points. They were playing a national schedule. Every single one of these guys absolutely fucking flunked as soon as they got to college. Just folded up. It's Nothing. actually incredible. Yeah. <laughs> just, and their, their coach went and go took an took an FBS head coaching job immediately was terrible as well. Yeah. The, uh, one of probably one of the softest locker rooms of all time. You have to assume that it's just like with the, the product that those guys, every single one of them was plagued by the exact same issue, which is that they're all just huge babies. They're just huge. Except babies. ETR who was apparently a dog. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he, he learned on the second unit. Apparently the second unit was the dogs on that team, <laughs> but like, Every single one of those guys, just huge babies, complaining constantly, transferring all the time for no real reason, decommitting, committing, doing all this shit. Just huge babies, all of them. I don't support the city of Las Vegas as a concept. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not serious. It's not a serious city. It's a, it's a made up. Once they once they let the mob stop running everything there, it got it when I went to shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the movie casino was the last gasp of of Las Vegas greatness, and everything since then has just been it's it's just Mickey Mouse West. It's it's really, it's uh it's it's taken a sharp decline. I think. Yeah, yeah. By the way, also I really want to quick. I, I know I, I mentioned his name at the top of this this segment, but Jim Mickelzik is a member of the Charlie Partridge All Stars. Yeah. Uh, for just guys who are consistent ass position coaches who just crush their job year in and year out in smaller schools, yep. deserve way more credit than they get. It is insane. No one has taken him away from this school. Yep. Um, absolutely nuts. He he is he is fantastic. He is like among the top five or ten online coaches in the country. Yeah, and and maybe you know what? There's a class of guys who it seems like they're just happy doing that, and I, I support them in that in that endeavor. I think that's great. I think if you if you try hard enough, you should just make a whole staff of these guys. Has anyone tried doing that? Just going yeah. to coaches, getting all of like the good ones who are at small schools who just didn't actually <laughs> develop players. Just try doing that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting strategy. I think that at some point it might be worth doing. I was also thinking recently, what if there was a football program that took strength and conditioning uh, seriously? <laughs> how, how, okay, okay. Ima- Here, here's how... our premise, Patrick. Yeah, we we take basically. A series of, of mercenaries of yeah. like guys who are in their late fifties or whatever who have been coaches at a small school doing really well at their job, one position coach for a long time. Yeah. The basically the best guys are doing that in the country. We hire all of them and tell them it's for one last ride. I give them one shot at the yeah. national championship. Yeah. You give, give me four years, one full class of players, develop them. Let's fucking win this thing. We're doing the recruiting strategy I believe in, which is we are only recruiting metro areas. We're picking just metro areas, giving yes. them each one the great yeah. one. And, and our entire when, recruiting staff is BPD TikTok guys. It's it's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like the craziest people you've ever met in your entire life. It's uh, an entire group of like twenty three year olds who should not be allowed to drive. That's our recruiting staff. <laughs> uh, yeah, they all live in. They, we got we get to the TikTok house in, in West Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all living in one house together. Of course, our, it is a requirement that our recruiting staff live together. <laughs> It's, it's hundreds of miles from campus. We've created the recruiting we, staff. The only guys house. we have as the on-campus recruiting staff are just ketamine dealers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are the tour guides. <laughs> the tour guides are those kids who have like the, the the multicolored plaid ponchos that are way too big, right? Like the really the really nasty the fabric. coaches are begging, like, please stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we keep offering bumps oh of K God, yeah. to, like, to the parents <laughs> of recruits and they're like come on every one of our on-campus recruiting tour guides is like a 26 year old who has a who has like an iguana that he carries everywhere he goes that's like 
He has a hat. He has a hat that has a rotating LED display of the throwing fits Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> you gotta check out this new Porter Robinson song, man. <laughs> Just playing it for the four-star quarterback. <sighs> check this shit out. It's it's seven minutes long. <laughs> so that's so that's shit, Mickles. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> um, in terms of this defense, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard for me to read what to expect. I, I think like they had a pretty bad pass defense and pass rush last season, but their top seven defensive backs are back, and I think they have pretty deep rotation of ten or eleven guys who contribute along the D line. Yeah, basically and pass rush. Basically everybody is back from last year's defense. I think they have like ten starters back. Uh yeah. yeah not eight or nine or, or ten starters back. Is this Andrew Chatfield Jr., their outside linebacker, the same one who was a four star who committed to Florida a at, couple years at ago? At Plantation? At, yeah. uh, uh, or or at American Heritage? Yeah. Has to be, right? I would Him think and so. Silvera ended up in the Pac twelve together. That's insane. Damn. What a what a funny he was, class. He, he was a teammate with uh with Silvera, yeah. They played the same high school team. Let me let me see. I'm curious now, because I, I this these are guys who I remember. Um, Andrew Chatfield Jr. Let's see. He's a former Ohio State commander, if I recall correctly. He's yeah, yeah, committed to Ohio State. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I think this is him. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Andrew Chatfield Jr. Sure enough, yeah, he was a four-star. Uh, I don't know how the fuck yeah. he ended up here. I guess he transferred, but he's good. I think Andrew Chatfield's yeah, a good player. No one's staying at Florida. Come on. Yeah. Um, he's he's. Good. I think the defense is going to be improved. It wasn't great last year. I, I have I have faith that the defense is going to get better this year. I do agree with you. Um, honestly, I think I'm basically pretty... Oregon State right now is what casual fans remember Stanford being, right? Yeah, I'm... like they run the football really well. They predicate themselves on stopping the run. They seem to have a good enough quarterback to get the job done, and like they don't blow anyone's mind. But they're a bowl team. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on these guys. Like they're not going to win the league or anything, but I I think they're going to be pretty good. I I, it, I I like a lot of what they do. They do have an absolutely brutal schedule based on yes. who they have to play. Yeah. Their first five games are insane. Yeah, they start the season, Boise State at home, at Fresno State, Montana State at home, USC at home, and at Utah. I think if you get two there, you're feeling really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just tough for the fan base to lose to FCS schools like that, but like, I think it's just there they get three, right? I, I, I said not FCS schools, a G5 schools like that. Like, yeah. They're gonna, you can't lose to both. I think they're going to lose to one of them, uh, but I, I think they'll take one. I, I I would guess that, man, they really fucked up where these ones are. Uh, they, yeah. They got them, they Do you got see them. any scenario where they just catch, like, in Riley and USC by punching them in the mouth early in the year? Not a bad idea. That's, that's... I wouldn't bet on it, but I, I don't think it's crazy either. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, Man, yeah, you really want to get – Fresno State at home of these two. Boise State at home is not going to do you a whole lot of good because I think Boise State's going to be really good. Um, uh, considering considering that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams almost got got by Kansas last year, uh, and Oregon State is just further along, better Kansas. We're going to talk about USC in a little bit. But let me see what the schedule starts with here. Um, yeah, I'm going to actually – <laughs> I think that Oregon State might win that game because USC doesn't have a ton going on before that. I think that they might not be ready to go at that point. I, I'm not going to pick it. I'm certainly not going to pick it. But I am. That is going to be circled on my watch list that weekend. Yeah, let's Ballas. let's say two and three to start. I'm not going to say where the two come from. One of them is Montana State. One of them is Montana State, and who knows what the other who one is? Knows, it's the not other Utah. One, another one is just not Utah. Yeah, uh, but that's <laughs> that's about it. That's the worst of it for them because then it's at Stanford, Washington State at home, Colorado at home. They're going to win all three. So we're talking yeah, the about bye week five and five and five three and going into the bye week, right? And then they yep. get they go to Washington, uh, Cal at home, at Arizona State, Oregon at home. 
Um, so we're talking about five and three. I think that this could very well be an. Do we miss a game? Do we miss a game? Um, no, don't think so. They start with the first uh, with the 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 five we were talking about. Stanford, Wazoo, Ka- Oh yeah, Colorado. sorry, sorry, yeah. I just counted wrong. Yeah, seven and five. Yeah, right, seven maybe? and five, or, or even I think eight and four. I think that there's a chance that they could get one of Washington or Oregon. I, I don't think that's impossible. I will certainly not. Maybe one it. of the USC, Washington, Oregon trio they can. They can okay, take. but that's fair. So we'll I'll, go... I'll give them seven and five and feel pretty good about it. Okay. Yep. I, I think that that's. Uh, I think that's fair. I don't know exactly where the seven come from, but I think that they are good enough to be seven and five. They they might end up yeah. six and six just because of a tough schedule, but I think this is a seven and five or eight and four caliber team. And they're going to shorten the game against these teams too. Yep, yep. They're a hard team to play against. That's uh, I, I think one of the greatest compliments you can give to a team like Oregon State. Just not a fun team to play against. You you really don't want to have to go up against these guys. Yeah, yeah. They they will mash your ass for yep. sure. Yep. Um, and especially with that strap on, <laughs> that, uh, they're walking around. <laughs> he's got, yeah, he's got that thing on. You it. do not want to get caught lacking yeah. these guys. Yeah, Jake Dickert. Brother. Did you see the Did you see the video yeah, going viral that. today? Of the two guys working in a uh, in some kind of car workshop, uh, mechanic shop, whatever, and the guy had that air gun that blasted the dude's pants off. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send it to you right now. Very, very funny. Um, that sounds great. That's that's perfectly suited for the the team that we're talking that we're talking about right now. Speaking of teams that have had their pants blown off recently, it's Washington. We're talking about the Huskies right now. I just DM it to you, by the way, if you want right, to check it out. You see, have to do it right now on the air, but no, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a live reaction here. Okay, all right, yeah, that's a big gun. Oh my god, <laughs> he sure did, sure did blow that man's pants. The timing is so fucking good off. too. Uh, the... <laughs> oh man, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's just, oh man, that just you can tell these guys grew up watching Jackass way too often. Yeah. Yeah, uh, blew his pants straight off, or or just often enough. Um, yeah, so Washington, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm a little more optimistic on their offense than I should be. Uh, I mean, like, I don't. Kalen DeBoer is really good at his job. He's a good coach. I, I think Ryan uh, Ryan Grubb is also good. I think it's fair to have some optimism about this offense. Kalen DeBoer's good. Well, He's a good coach. Yeah, but then you have Michael Penix, a quarterback who like is just to me the definition of like a chuck it and pray quarterback, which I just hate. I just sure. I hate watching that kind of quarterback. That's just what he does. He's a chuck it and pray quarterback. It's it's not it's not cool. I would like I'll say I would like him a lot less if he was playing for another coach who has not worked with him before. That DeBoer has gotten the best out of him before gives me a lot of True. hope for what this offense can be because he knows his limitations. He knows what he can and can't do. Yeah. Yeah, um, like t- the twenty. 20- I mean, that's fair enough. I don't. I don't know. He's uh, he, he was responsible for his breakout in twenty nineteen. He gets three starting linemen back. Yeah, two of the top three receivers are uh, two of the top three returning receivers are back. Very. Uh, young, that doesn't make I will any mention. sense. They are very very young receivers that are back. It it, yeah. it is two sophomore and a freshman who are who are projected as starters here. Um, Giles Jackson and well. uh, McMillan, right? Giles Jackson, another name that is a, a bit of a throwback for me. Uh, former Michigan. I was going to get into right? this. Yeah, they have quite a few players who are, and I, I had this kind of at the bottom here, but like they've had they've had some major recruiting battles lately, and almost none of them actually turned into production on the field. It's um, yeah, it's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're like the players they're losing. Some of them also have sucked. Like I, I guess G. Scott's done nothing at Ohio State, but like. You know, it looks like losing Emeka Egbuka and JT Tumaloal is going to hurt really, really bad based yeah. on what they're doing so far on the field. Yeah. Uh, and all the guys they've won have done nothing, especially like the very highly regarded Sam Ward, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just doesn't seem like he's going to get a chance to play, which doesn't make much sense to me, but whatever. 
Um, the, the offensive line room is a little bit weird. They have two returning contributors who are currently injured, three incoming transfers, and two freshmen to city action. They probably have just like too many scholarships uh, on a room that has no sure thing, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the running game has to improve. They have to improve here because Penix is just not going to carry an offense with his arm. Yeah. Running backs here are Aaron Dumas and JV on Sunday, right? And Johnny Adams is still back too, right? Isn't he back one more year? That might be. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, he's. I thought I saw that he was. Maybe I. Maybe I'm misremembering. But let's um, see. Sam Adams, not Johnny Adams. Sam Adams is his name, right? I do not see him listed. That's the beer guy. Um, <laughs> that is the beer guy. Uh, <laughs> no, maybe he's gone. I'm maybe misremembering this, but whatever. He was there for a fucking. Anyway, century. it's got to uh, be the offense has to be better. The, the the rushing attack specifically, but the offense has to be better. And it's going to start largely with that running game helping Penix out. That was what the 2019 Indiana offense did so well, is that they weren't like good at running the ball, but they did still do it, and they were effective enough that it kept Penix clean. Um, that was the thing that I think was most impressive about what DeBoer did with him was that he really really limited his exposure to things that he wasn't good at, right? Things that he couldn't handle. Um, and that requires at least competent running game. Indiana, when, when DeBoer was there, didn't have good running backs, I don't think. it was. It, I, I don't... It's been a while since Indiana has had a good running back, but I, I think that a capable running game is important here. One they can trust to get three or four yards pretty consistently. I think these guys can do that. It's, I'm a little worried about the line, but I think they can do that. Yeah, they, it, it's tough to judge a line right now, too, because so many guys are out in spring practice, which, of course, also is not great for uh, projecting his health in the season. Yeah, uh, You don't want to see that. I guess you'd rather have him get hurt now and stay healthy later, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, um, They need to improve. There's no other way around. They need to improve. Uh, but the defense is going to be damn good, man. I think I think they kind of gelled together late last season. Um, they, they do and they did some flaws to beat the service. They're kind of belied by their, their counting stats. Yeah, The run defense was not really effective, and his front needs to improve. They also lost their two NFL corners in McDuffie and Gordon. They kind of gave them some cover to play a more aggressive run defense that yeah. still wasn't that good. Uh, and they're now gone. They they really need, like, let's be honest, like, none of us think Jimmy Lake was a good coach, right? We were kind of just all in agreement on that. And yeah. I said that none of us been the two of us. Uh, also, your girlfriend, Anna, uh, listening. I would assume um, she agrees, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, they have to get better on both sides of the football, man. Like, there's just, like, like we mentioned with these highly recruits, they have a lot of these guys in. Savale Small, Sam Huar, Gary and Hashkin, all these other guys are just big recruiting names who are just not producing. They're not factors. They're not contributing. Yep. When your margins are this thin, like as they are in the Pac-12, they have to develop these players. They have to produce. And they're not going to get anything out of them. They need improvement. And I think DeBoer is going to be better than, than, than uh, Jimmy Lake, but like it has to happen fast. Yeah. The defense needs to be more efficient this year. It was pretty good at limiting explosive plays and creating some of its own last year, but the, the efficiency was really bad. They were just, it was too easy to get easy yards on these guys. I think that probably improves this year with more talent in the front seven. But like you said, secondary has some work to do. Secondary has some, some pretty big names to replace, and I'm not sure that I love the guys who are doing that. I think Alex Cook is pretty good at safety, but the other guys here, I'm just not, I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts on them before we go into the schedule? Nope. Cool. Um, they start the season pretty easy with Kent State and Portland State at home. That's two quick wins. Yep. Um, they get Michigan State at home, which I think they are going to lose. That is a very funny ABC night game. That is just a pure helmet game. with. Yeah. Uh, what a weird very, game. Very yeah. strange football game. That's just a, these are two big alumni bases. This is a classic, like, what the new Big Ten is going to be like, which is 
these are two famous uh, uh, fan base with lots of fans, and neither team is that good this season, but they're both going to somehow go 7-5 or 8-4. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Yep, so it's like an SEC East game. Um, and the, so they're going to lose to Michigan State. They're going to beat Stanford at home. They do not leave Husky Stadium until week five on a Friday night when they go to UCLA, who's going to kick their ass. Yes. Uh, they're starting off three and two. They get a nice little stretch here where they go at Arizona State, home against Arizona, at Cal. I think they find a way to drop one of those games with how young this team is and how little proven they are. I think they're better than all those teams. But I just, just based on what we've seen from them in recent years, I think they're starting out five and three. I think that Arizona State and Arizona are too bad for it to possibly be those games. So it would have to be Cal, and I, I'm not going to predict that. So I'm going to say that they win all three. Um, I don't think it's impossible, but I, I don't see any way they lose to the Arizona teams. I think you'd have to be fucking incompetent to lose to the Arizona teams. I don't think that you can take a, a youth loss to those teams. They are so bad. Like They are so, so bad. It would take a lot <laughs> to do that. And so... It's gonna to have to be Cal, and I don't. I don't want to. I'm not gonna predict that. So I'm gonna say, okay. what would that be? Jesus. Six and two. Six. Uh, yeah, six and two to start. It feels like a six and week. two team to you. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, that this first eight games are not providing teams that I think can beat them. That's. <laughs> it's gonna. You know, it kind of depends on 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 the playing team. Like they don't get Utah and they don't get USC. It's a pretty good draw, all things yeah. considered. We um, are, we are. Unfortunately, we do have to issue the official Husky Stadium DUI challenge yeah. uh, for Washington with their Halloween bye week. That is a big risk. You never want. To, we we yeah. have costume programs all the time. You do not want the Halloween bye week. Stop scheduling yeah. the Halloween bye week. Yeah, you're gonna have to make sure that all of your starters are not. That you, you're sending them home for the weekend. You're saying you're going to yeah. go back to mom and dad. You're staying with your parents this weekend. You're not allowed to stay yes. on campus. You're going somewhere else where at least if you get caught, it'll take a week for it to catch up to us. Yeah, your your NAO collective is is paying for like a driver to take you everywhere you go in your hometown this weekend. Yeah, they're, they're doing like the NFL thing where like the quarterback and all of his wide receivers go to like, uh, they, they, they go to like Costa Rica for three weeks, right? Uh, that's what Washington is going to do with all 22 of its starters on that bye week is just send them down to like an island somewhere but like a dry island yeah somewhere like right right in the virgin islands it's like been recently uh like uh opened up for for new mm-hmm. occupation and sale yeah i i could think of a couple islands that washington might want to send some of his players to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i well and they do have some sponsorships <laughs> Ryan, from Bill Ryan, Gates, wait, Ryan, wait. i mean they've... <laughs> they're going to little don james island <laughs> 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 yeah, I think they have someone who has some connections there. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I do think there is an available. They can have a team prayer. There's a temple I know that's available there too as well. They could they could uh, have a nice team prayer. Yeah, a lot of just bonded experience. Doing, doing um, one of those Silicon Valley uh, like the the cleanse weeks, just going to like some freak cavern and, and going going absolutely nuts out there. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to the Bohemian Grove retreat. <laughs> <this Halloween weekend. laughs> Uh, oh man! We gotta stop. For, I, I gotta stop doing this bit. People think I'm actually like a, a, a fucking <laughs> uh, Alex Jones freak. Uh-huh. I mean, I am, but yeah. people shouldn't think that. Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't say it. Uh, out of the bye week, out of the uh, the the. Uh, I can't think of the the uh, the. Word. Did you see that Alex Jones clip I sent you of him like ranting about how Stalin didn't get enough of the Trotskyists or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Uh, really funny. <laughs> yeah. So out, out, of, out of their demonic Halloween weekend, they're playing Oregon State at home. Um, the, I think they probably win this game, right? Home game. I think they probably win. I think because it's at home, they win. Um, 
and then I think they have they two. go at Oregon. That that's the season for them, right? Yeah, like, that's going to be a great game. I'm excited about that game. I think Oregon wins, but that's going to be a really interesting one. I always I always like that matchup. And then they end the season Colorado at home at Washington State. Um, so that's that's what nine and three. It's pretty good. Nine and three, yeah. I mean, that's a damn good season. And like, if they beat Oregon, that's ten and like. I I, I don't think I, I don't think Oregon or Michigan State are impossible to beat. I wouldn't yeah. predict either one certainly, yeah. but like, ten and two. There's a scenario they go ten and two. Totally agree. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, that's. I mean, we're talking about UCLA as being the most difficult team to beat on your schedule. That's not like, that's not the end of the world by any means. You're pretty. I think Washington should be pretty happy with the schedule that it's got here, and I think we'll benefit pretty significantly from it. I would say. Yes, this is this is a classic Mickey Mouse Pac-12 team that will somehow sneak into a like top top five or ten bowl game and get its doors blown off. Yep, UCLA up next. Speaking of um, UCLA, <laughs> is uh, rounding out tier three. I think it would have an argument for tier two, but we've got them here at the top. I th- actually probably should have put them in tier two. Yeah, I probably fucked up. Okay, we're gonna say they're in tier two then. We can make it's it's our podcast. Okay, yeah, it. they're not reading it. Yeah, well, they yeah. don't know. Yeah, tier two, UCLA. <laughs> yeah, because I was here? looking at the schedule after the fact, and I was like, hey, that's spoiled here, but like. I was like, damn, I think UCLA could go 10 and 2. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure will not happen. Okay. Based this is this what we do every year, dude. Yeah. We do this every year. We get two <laughs> high impact 12 teams. We were just we talking need to about drop this. all the good teams by a win. We need to drop yeah. them all by one win. Yeah. Every non conference game we have to assume is a loss for the Pac 12 until further notice. <laughs> Honestly, should we go back and make Washington 8 and 4 just, just to be safe? Uh, I don't know where the 4 comes from, and I don't want to at this point. It's we have fine. a tier 3 team winning nine games. We are not wise. It's not a good conference. That's the issue, is that it's not a very good conference. Uh, man, I don't know, because then you'd have to say that, like, Cal beats them, and I don't want to say that. I don't think Cal's any good. This stuff, I, I agree that our predictions make sense as we're but we just should be... Okay, we'll talk about it at the Washington's end. We'll, we'll going, go back and just fuck fo- we'll, Folks, you can mark it down right now. Washington's going to go 11-1. and one. They're going to beat Michigan State. <laughs> They're going to beat the other team who we were talking about that they could beat. They're going to go eleven and one. They're going to be a playoff. And it's and it's launching Jay Inslee's uh, comeback campaign for president. Yeah, yeah, he's back, baby. He's he's got America. He's from Colorado. He's from Washington, right? I don't know. One of those. One of those states. He's from Washington. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. And he's got America's favorite coach, the guy who everybody who watches the sport can recognize and tell you who he is, Kalen DeBoer. Everybody who covers college football knows who Kalen DeBoer is. If you asked them right now, they could pick him out of a lineup. I'm very confident that, uh, you know, certainly. They know his resume. They know about him. They know his his resume. I think that if you showed other podcasters, college football podcasters, a picture of him, they would definitely know who he is, and they wouldn't just say, like, oh, that's some other white guy who I don't actually know, but I pretend to know. Oh, that's Jonathan Smith. Oh, that's, oh, that's Billy Napier. That's yeah. Billy Napier. Oh, that's actually Herm Edwards, I think. That looks like Herm is that, Edwards is that, to me. Is that Blake Anderson? Is that, is that, what is that, Ryan Day? <laughs> I will say, Kalen, Kalen DeBoer has the name of a man who should be much younger. Yeah. He has a 32-year-old's name of 47 years yeah, old. You are, you, are, you are named Kalen. You are a grown man named Kalen. It's troubling. It's a troubling thing to imagine somebody... 50 years ago having a child and saying this is kaylin what are you doing yeah don't come like on. it come on anyway ucla um so dorian thompson robinson is still here he's still here yeah 
it was it looked like for a while that he wasn't going to be right because uh, Dylan Gabriel was set to was set to transfer here and then he flipped he jumped to Oklahoma and so now that's him again. yeah Dorian Thompson Robinson said no 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 I'm not no. fucking leaving he, you are not getting my job this is they let me play for one more year I am keeping this job oh man he uh, he rocks honestly that he's still doing this he rocks like I I have full respect for Dorian Thompson Robinson who is just like he's fine he's he's totally just fine but they can't I am putting him officially on the Hendon Hooker notice train he could be this year's head and hooker okay. if he plays cards right. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, I think this team's good, right? But you know what else you're gonna love even more though, Patrick? What's Do you that? know who's number one target's gonna be? Who's that? Uh it is Mike Bobo's son, Jake Bobo, uh, who's a Duke transfer. <laughs> He's the number one receiver in Chip Kelly's offense this year. You love the Bobo family. Chip Kelly cannot get enough white receivers. He loves white <laughs> receivers. You're always saying we need more Bobos in college football. There's not enough of Bobos. We, yeah, need, we need another Bobo more Bobos. We need more Bobos. Bring them home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the running game is going to be excellent, dude. Like, yeah. this was legitimately a yeah, very great. good offense last year. It was the best of the conference last year, I thought. Um, they have three returning starters back in the offensive line. Zach Sharp and Netsky running behind them. They also have an incoming Rutgers transfer who was just started there, uh, starting to tackle. I think it was Rayquan O'Neill's name. Yeah. Um, they did lose their OC offensive line coach, Justin Fry, to Ohio State, which is a problem. Uh, I think he did a lot of that running game design. Of course, he will not be allowed to do so at Ohio State because they don't believe in that. Yeah. Um, but they have a damn good running attack last year, and it should be good again as long as they don't totally fuck it up. And I don't believe they will because Chip Kelly can still design a running game at least, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah. He, um, I'm not going to ever worry about a Chip Kelly running game, especially with his guys. Uh, in the program, which he has now. I, I, this running game is going to be excellent. I think it's going to be one can, of the better ones in the country. Can you imagine a more annoying college football card to play against than a, a team that has a 60-year starting quarterback, the Chip Kelly offense, and like a six-foot-four white receiver who's the son of a legendary, like a, not legendary, a long-time OC? Well, and, uh, and, that's... and also Zach Charbonnet, who's like 6'1", 225. Just a nightmare. It's so annoying Just to an absolute yeah. nightmare to play against these guys. And they're running this is the a, fucking just option. Just a super experienced team. You know they're going to suck next year and all these guys are gone. Yeah. Chip Kelly needs to just ride this into retirement. But yeah. like, yeah. yeah no, they're going to yeah, be terrible to play yeah, against. They've got great blockers on the outside. Their receivers are all great blockers. They've got a huge running back and a quarterback who's been doing this forever, and they're running the fucking option. That is awful. Awful to have to play against. Nightmare. It's not what you want. Oh, it is definitely man. not what you want. These they still haven't rock. updated their fucking uh, coaching staff on their website. How is that real? It's Chip Kelly, baby. He doesn't need to. <laughs> he knows who's on the staff. Why would you need to know who's on the staff? <laughs> Uh, who is their OC this year? It's hard they, to say. They, uh... It's it's uh it's truly I would say actually impossible to say. I know that Bill McGovern is the new defensive coordinator, um, which is I I I, I you know regretfully uh, his his presidential campaign in 1968 didn't pan out, but I think that he could still coach some good football teams. Man, uh, they did hire Tim Drevno, the former uh, USC mm. and Michigan uh, uh, O line coach as their O line coach. Mm. Well. It won't matter this year. <laughs> it will matter. Yeah. It will matter for whoever the next guy at the job is. But Chip Kelly's coasting right now. He's just got. He's in his bag. He's ready to. He's ready to do one last job and then get out of here. He's hiring all the twenty-three-year-olds. He's got the hype house. UCLA is the place to do this. Honestly, <laughs> he, he has the Academy hype house. He has <laughs> San Trino, you know, and the ketamine hype house. Uh, phrase, oh my god! The you, phrase ketamine you, hype house is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of hype going on in there. <laughs> um, there. Here's the thing: their past defense did suck last year. It was the worst of the Pac-12. 
Yeah. Uh, they let opponents convert, you know, 44% of all third downs. That <laughs> oh, is God. so high. That's really bad. <laughs> they did bring in some transfers, uh, but they're also like uh, just in coverage. They're also expecting a big boost in the pass rush. Yeah. Uh, they get their leading edge rusher, Bo Calvert, back, and they brought in uh, three players who were responsible for more than 30 sacks last season to boost the front seven. Yeah. They got, there were two twins as part of that. Yeah. They got both um, Murphys um, from North Texas, North right? Texas. North Texas. That's right. They were awesome at North Texas. They were a big part of why that team turned around last year. Grayson and Gabriel, they are very, very good. Um, yeah, that's a great pull to get those two. I hadn't realized that they were here. Um, I like yeah. Darius, uh, and they had someone else too who was responsible for like another like like uh, seven or eight sacks. Like they're like they have like something like fifty uh, sacks from last season's roster of returning production. Yeah, Azizi Hearn also in the secondary is really good. The um, Wyoming transfer, another Wyoming transfer. Um, I like uh, Darius. So weird, it's a lot of, lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> Darius Muasal, I think is how you say his name, linebacker. Um, I think the defense, he's the Hawaii transfer. I think the defense is going to be improved. I don't think it's going to be great, but it, it should be improved. I really, really like the way that they pick their spots with these transfers. I think they did a really good job, a really good job in the portal. Yeah. Um, I think they also have a very favorable schedule set up for a big run here. I'm pretty excited about UCLA. Like, I, I think this is going to be a pretty good football team. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that they, they've got a nice runway to get going before they have to start playing big-time games. Start the season home against Bowling Green, Alabama State at home, South Alabama at home. Very weird that they're doing two Alabama teams. Um, and then pretty at, funny. at yeah. Colorado are all wins, I think, pretty convincingly. The, the month of September should be pretty generous to them. Um, I think they beat Washington too. I think that's 5-0. and Yeah, so then the, the big one here is Utah at home. I I can't see them winning that game at this point. I just I think Utah is too, just too good. That's the, I, that's going to be a very good football that's team that game. not a lot of people are going to watch. Unfortunately, Man, that's going to be such a good uh, game. That's, I'm, I'm that should really... be two undefeated football teams. Right? I don't think Utah has anyone early in the season. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, Utah does play floor, on the road of Florida, which they should win. That's but not gonna, that's not going to matter. That won't impact the record in a negative way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it will, but. That's going to be an awesome game. I'm really excited for that one. So I think probably, in the Rose Bowl, yeah, yeah I think that's a five and one star. But five, I, five I'm, star. I, I think there is a scenario where UCLA can win that football game. I don't think it's likely, oh, but man, I'm just I'm, I can't I can't stop thinking. That's a great fucking football game. I'm really excited. That's a really that cool game, game dude. Just, a just two experienced teams doing exactly what they're doing. Experienced coaches such a, such playing very a... similar styles of offense. Man, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, bye week right after that, which is a great time to get a, a bye week because then they're going to Oregon, uh, Stanford at home, Arizona State on the road, and Arizona at home are the next four. They're going to take three. I of think those they for win sure, all four of those, but I think that there's a pretty good chance that they beat Oregon. Um, Oregon is going to be some some moving you know part parts and pieces this year. Um, Bo Nix, I don't. I'll say this: is... they, they they also play the following game just to include it here. It's it's USC at home. Yeah, they're going to win one of those Oregon or USC games. Yeah, yeah, and then at Cal to end the season. So I think that's ten and two. I think I think this is a comfortably a ten and two team. But yeah. of course, again, we should just add in one loss for inflation. I I'm going to uh, say ten. And, do it. We won't I, do it. I'm going to say that the t- ten and two, but there is a chance that they lose all three of Utah, Oregon, and, and USC, and they are solidly the number four team in the uh, in the Pac-12. But I, I don't expect that. Yeah, neither do I. I think this again. I think this is a damn good football team. I'm just trusting experience above all else here. Um, I think Chip Kelly is back in his bag. He's never going to be like what he was, but this is a fucking solid ass team. Yep. Tier continuing in tier two because this one was also tier two. Oregon. Uh, we got Oregon up next. Going to be kind of a kind of a rebuilding year a little bit for Oregon from what I've gathered. Not like fully, but some some new pieces here, especially with the uh, with the new head coach. What's the feeling on Oregon right now? 
in Oregon, after I get done typing the words tier two into our document here, uh, is that uh, I do believe in Dan Lanny as a program builder. I think he's just an interesting dude who do really well at Oregon. Um, his recruiting has been very impressive so far. I know they yeah. Dante Moore, a bunch of other guys. Um, he learned from a lot of great coaching trees, right? Primarily with Kirby, but some other stuff too going on there. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of his principles so far. I think his OC hire and his decisions at quarterback are just fucking baffling. Yeah. Um, he hired Kenny Dillingham, uh, who is basically known for creating inaccurate quarterbacks. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, he has been an OC for, uh, he is, sorry, he's had five multi-game starters at quarterback in his four seasons as an offensive coordinator. Um, on the net, they collectively average below 60% completion percentage in college football. Yeah, it's that it's, is this is so embarrassing. We dude. talked last week about the Memphis offense. This is the Memphis offense. He is the Memphis offense guy. Or yeah, 2018 Memphis OC is yeah. where you got to start. And like that's the thing is that when you do that, you will be more explosive. It would be an, this would be an explosive offense, but you're going to sacrifice efficiency, especially in the passing game. The running game is probably going to be pretty good. I like Sean Dollars. I like Byron Cardwell. They bring back the entire offensive line from last year. But you're sacrificing efficiency and accuracy in your quarterback because you're asking him to throw down the field so much. And the quarterback they have picked to do that is Bo Nix. Bo Nix. You hired him so you could get Bo Nix, which like doesn't even make any sense. Like, Man. Also, Kenny Dillingham is only 32 years old. Like, well, like If you're a, a, a DC coming in as head coach – who has obviously no experience coaching offense, why would you not hire a more veteran, a more serious OC instead of a 32-year-old who's not had nothing but middling to bad results? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Give yourself someone who ha- has some, like, real juice here, has some real experience doing this. Yeah, um, it just doesn't I don't doesn't get it sense. at all. It doesn't And also, sense. like, in terms of roster management, they have a five-star quarterback already in the roster with Ty Thompson, another committed in Dante Moore. Instead of just wasting a year on Bo Nix, who we absolutely know what he is, why would you get some separation between Ty Thompson and Dante Moore and let them kind of, you know, if Ty Thompson's good, Dante Moore will sit for one season and start after Ty Thompson goes to the NFL. And if he's bad, Dante Moore can take his job. You yeah. have to start over anyway. Yeah, there's so no like, there's no benefit to bringing in Bo Nix here. There's no reason to do it. You're not going to compete for a national championship this year. That is the kind of move that you make if you think you can compete for a national championship, but you want a stable quarterback. And you also they, don't know what quarterbacks are going to Yeah, but they don't <laughs> they don't have that. This is not a national championship team. And I don't I just I don't get it. I don't get why you would want Bo Nix on this team, and then why you would pair him with Kenny fucking Dillingham. It doesn't make any sense. Hire an option coordinator. Hire somebody with, like, like some semblance of a running game in his fucking offense for the quarterback that's not just deep balls. It doesn't make any sense. He's it's not like a deep ball quarterback. It's like the lesson he learned from Kirby is that having a good quarterback is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I like, I, I really, really like everything else that he has done here. It's just, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to do this. I, I think that the the landing hire is is completely logical keeping up with that you know doing the sec in the pac 12 kind of thing i think it makes sense to do to, to you know to go to him to do that um he's the kind of guy who can keep it up i think that he fits the program well i think he will do well but this is a baffling first year move to go get an offensive coordinator who really does not fit the ethos of the program at all. If you're trying to do this thing where you're really strong in the trenches and you're surrounding it with these elite athletes at, at wide receiver and, and you know all this stuff, why are you getting the Memphis guy who is trying to create big plays schematically instead of somebody who is leaning into that talent advantage? This is not a talent advantage offensive coordinator. He's not. It doesn't mean that he's doesn't like, make any sense. It doesn't I don't, make any I, sense. I don't dude. think that Kenny Dillingham would be a bad coordinator for a lot of schools, but this is not one that needs him. You don't need to do this. You don't need to be generating big plays. You can do that with talent. You have the talent to do it. You don't need to create them. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thought is they must like, 
I don't know. You must think you can generate uh, explosive running plays and you don't want to pass the football. Like that's why you're bringing in Bo Nix is because you think yeah. Kenny Dale Hump's creative enough to get an explosive running play going, which I haven't seen from him in the last three while. years of the jobs, jobs he's been doing, like it's since he was at Memphis and even barely at Memphis. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, and they did lose CJ Verdell and Travis Dye, like you hit on, uh, once the transfer, once the graduation. They don't have an obvious replacement. There's going to be a few guys battling. Um, you had them with five starters back. I may have had it incorrect, but I had four starters back in the O-line. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Who gives a fuck? Uh, Bo Nix will run, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They'll get ground production, but like they can't throw the football, right? Troy Franklin's a really good receiver, but I, I don't really have any faith that Bo Nix pushed the ball downfield to him. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see it. Like, I don't see Bo Nix hitting the throws they want to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that the rest of this roster honestly does kind of make sense if you're trying to do the big play thing, but you brought in Bo Nix, and also you don't need to do that. You could just do it with a regular offense. You don't need to specifically do it because, like, Chase Coda, I think, would be a pretty good player in that sort of, you know, you're trying to create big plays. I think Troy, Troy Franklin, same thing. Chris Houston, Hudson, same thing. They've got talent here. They have a lot of talent here, especially on you know the, the in the skill the the skill core. I think the line is good enough to handle a real offense. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do this stuff. It's this is this is Florida State did this because they didn't think that they could get guys in the trenches to do this kind of thing. Oregon has it. You don't have to generate it. You don't have to make it up out of out of you know misdirection and all this shit. You don't have to sacrifice significant parts of your offensive efficiency to create a ground game or to create big passing plays here. You have a line. You have the line. They did the hard part already. Mario already did the hard part, and you're wasting it. It's just dumb. It's a dumb thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more, dude. I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you very much. Um, I, I guess the upside you can say here, though, is that Lanning was hired to fix this defense, and that's his priority. I think the defense is going to be fabulous. I think that this defense is going to be But very, I, I don't very know. Bad. They've been very talented like a lot of years now, right? Like, they've had a lot of talent. Pretty much. They've had a talent advantage in the Pac-12 every season, but they finished 60th in defensive play plus last year, right? Like, yeah. They had Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Flo and Noah Swell. Noah Swell would be the best linebacker in college football if you don't think Will Anderson's won. And, like, Justin Flo was really impressive when he was healthy, but yeah. they just didn't ever put it together at the same time. You can say some of that because of health, but also because of coaching and coordination. Like, it should be really good. It's a really talented roster. They got several P5 transfers. They need to produce, right? Like, yeah. I, And instead of having a real DC to work with you, I know Dan Lane's a defensive coordinator by trade, but he brought in Tosh Dupoy, a bag man in chief. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe in Lanning's ability to coordinate this defense. I think he's going to do a good job with it. I think that the defense is going to be good from the jump to, to very good by the end of the season. Um, there's just there's so much talent here, and I think that he is much better at working with that than the guys that Mario had doing it. Um, I, I, I believe in, in Lanning's ability to fix this defense. I think it's just going to come at the expense of the offense because of his his hires and transfer moves there. Um, they just It doesn't make sense what they've done with the offense. I, it's, I, I think it's going to be... An Oregon program that is limited in similar ways to they to the what they were under under Mario and and even before that, um, but in a in a stylistically a different way where it's just like just fucking stop getting in your own way and you'd go to the playoff. Why do you have to get in your own way? Why did you go get Bo Nix? Why do you do this right? And it's gonna be that kind of thing every year where it's like you you the offense just doesn't make sense in the way that the defense will. That's that's my guess for what Landing is going to do, and I think they're probably gonna go ten and two like every year and i think that this season is uh, not going to be a whole lot different i would guess it's around 10 and 2 yeah yeah i mean i don't know i'm actually kind of more skeptical in that based on their schedule yeah, uh, yeah let's but talk let's about go through schedule. it i mean yeah. they lead off the season uh, with a neutral site game a neutral site game quote unquote in atlanta against georgia mm-hmm. they will get their doors blown off that will be 
whatever Georgia did to Clemson last season, this is going to be a much worse version of That's that. That's a rude uh, awakening. Yeah. Oregon will not score a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, then they get Eastern Washington at home, which is a win. They also get BYU at home, which is a loss. They are not going to beat BYU. Correct. Uh, at Wazoo. They're starting one and two, then a very nasty road game against Washington State, which they will win, but it will be ugly. It's not going to be fun. Yeah, they're going to win the next three. Uh, Wazoo, Stanford at home, at Arizona. They're going to win all three of those. So we're talking four and two into the bye week. Good time for a bye week. They get UCLA at home out of that. Uh, UCLA does not get the no, – you're correct. You're right, you're right. What's that? Nothing, nothing. I was thinking UCLA the bye week the same time, but they don't. They have the Halloween bye week we're talking yeah. about. No, that was uh, that was Washington. Is UCLA yeah. the bye week the same week that I, I believe so? Yeah, Oregon does. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah they're both getting a bye week before each other, which is kind of fun. I don't. So know. I'll I'll take Chip Kelly. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with that. So we're talking about <laughs> what is that four and three, uh, and then at Cal at Colorado, Washington at home are all wins, right? Um, yep. seven and three and then close the season utah at home uh seven and four at oregon state eight and four. man uh i will say oregon state is going to be real if, if that's like a, mm-hmm. those teams are both seven and four going to that game which i think we had as potential mm-hmm. uh oregon state for the chance to finish ahead of oregon this season will be <laughs> with a really new, yeah. tor- turned up for with that a game. New coach at oregon too oh boy yeah that's uh Jonathan Smith is rock hard for that one. He doesn't. Jonathan Smith <laughs> has the strap on back out. <laughs> oh, um, man. I, I think this look, there's a scenario where they do get to like nine and three this year and have a pretty good year, make mm-hmm. a nice bowl game, finish ranked. Uh, there's also a scenario where they finish seven and five and they close with like, uh, three pretty tough losses in the back six yeah. after, the, after the bye week. Yeah. All right. Let's stay in tier two. Let's talk about these guys as little. Wait, as what, what did we finish them at? What we, what I we said eight and four? four. I'm going to go eight and four. Um, okay. All right. Let's stay in tier two. Let's talk about these guys as little as we possibly can. I honestly, I do not want to talk about them for more than like two minutes. It's They're U- very annoying. It's yep. USC. You fucking know what they have. I don't, I don't need, we don't need to tell Caleb you. Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, Travis Dodge, Ronas, yada, yada, don't care. Defense going to suck. Alex Grinch sucks. They have two really good transfer linebackers. Jackson on defense beside that. Yeah. Not a serious football team. Not really interesting. I'm not trying to outscore teams the most annoying way possible. They're going to go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1, and they're sold. They are in the center of their clothes and the blood in their veins, the light in their eyes. They are dog shit. Yeah. And they're fucking their core beings, they're dog shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's their schedule. Yeah. Rice at home. Uh, <laughs> Rice at home. To Rice open at home season. win at Stanford win. Fresno State at home. That's probably oh. a win. Oh. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I think they're not, they're too talented to lose to Fresno State. Yeah. There is only one team of this in this matchup in the state of California upon which God's light has shown, and it is not USC. <laughs> USC's light. USC is not experiencing the glory that uh, that that Jeff Tedford will feel on that sideline. He's only he will only feel good feelings on the sideline, and he will be ending Lincoln Riley's life during that game. He will be <laughs> ritually sacrificing USC head coach Lincoln. He Riley. is he is carrying his heart to the top of the Coliseum and asking for the approval of the crowd, like he's remembering his Roman ancestors do. He will be ending the nightmare that we are all living in. Jeff Tedford will be, he will, he will be freeing us from this prison that we have found ourselves in this NIL prison. Jeff Tedford is going to return college football to its days of glory, to its days of he's, prestige by killing. He's Lincoln walking, Riley. he's walking with Lincoln Riley's head in one hand and he has, he holds the leash that has Alex Grinch at the other end on the other. Yeah. And he's walking up and down the stairs until his knees bleed. That's right. As, as the, the seven head of Lincoln Riley <laughs> is thrown about the crowd's approval like a volleyball. 
UCLA, USC probably going to win that one, but yeah, <laughs> fun to think about. Um, at Oregon State is next, probably four and zero. Arizona State, Washington State at home, six and zero going into at Utah, which I'm so excited for this one because we'll be an apocalyptic ass kicking, yeah, dude. We are going to. This is one day. This game is happening one day after my birthday. We are going to get on, and we are going to have one hell of a celebration on the 16th because Utah is going to. Uh, speaking of evoking biblical terms, Utah is going to unleash something truly demonic on USC in that game. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm, I'm concerned for the health of USC in that game because Utah is going to do some things that should not be allowed on a football field. That is going to be yeah. A, a, that, Kyle Wayham, I think this is his last ride. I don't know if you agree with me. I think it's probably his last season ever. He's coming up on it. And, yeah. And I think he is going deep into his bag this season. I think like plays he was drawing up as like an OC 15 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, he is bringing out. Like he's had these yeah. saved on a whiteboard in his car or something for 10 years. Yeah, he's got. He's a, getting ready to go. Ham. Yeah, he's got a running play that's called the knee breaker, and it's unclear why it's named that at the start. But then, as soon as the play starts, you understand it because all ten blockers are going after one defensive end. It's a very cruel play. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly just seem demoralized. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that this Utah. I think the Utah game is going to do serious long-term psychic damage to this program. I think it is going to be like a Michigan 2021 for Ohio State level loss for this program. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. This is not going to be a pleasant game for them. Yeah, I think the honeymoon is going to be over by, before the middle of October. Yeah, and it's only going to be because of one loss. They're going to be 6-1 and one going into that bye week, and they're going to be miserable because they realize that they can never be what Utah is. They can never replicate that. They do not have it in their hearts to replicate that kind of football greatness. They can't do it. It's just not there. So then bye week after that, yeah. <laughs> they, go to, they go to Arizona home against Cal, home against Colorado, at UCLA, home against Notre Dame to end the season. They are losing back-to-back to end the year as well at UCLA against Notre Dame. Sure. Yeah, we're going to say 9-3. and three. Fuck these guys. Eat shit, losers. <laughs> Fuck you. Done with them. Caleb Williams is going to cry at half a game. Cannot stand He's going to cry guys. and wins. They're going to bring... St- Did gonna... you see him argue with Mike Farrell, by the way? We haven't, I can't believe we haven't talked about yeah. this the show yet. Yeah. Did you witness that he was arguing with Mike Farrell? Dude, he, he got his ass. <laughs> he fried him up. And then Mike Farrell in the, in the fucking replies was like, you got me, sir. Great one. Good, good zing, King. He's just like, would you love to come on my podcast? No, man, I don't want to. Honestly, honestly, though, but he should be supporting Mike Farrell's sports as we all do. Yeah, we all do that. But, uh, you know, it's uh, he just doesn't love football like we do. Mike Farrell is the ultimate football guy and, and Caleb Williams just doesn't. Just doesn't love football like we do, I guess. Um, it's true. All right, fuck these guys. Nine and three. Fuck They're fucking guys. losers. Done with bitch. Them. Utah, tier one. Only team in tier one. Only team that's even really worth talking about in this conference. Oh, my God. You wrote so much. I Holy went, shit. Uh, just I for contact, nuts. listeners. I did the whole preview and I'm doing all the P5 previews and Cole Patrick to just write up Utah because he went to anyway. And he wrote like 12 single space paragraphs here that I can barely uh, I'll just go ahead go ahead just do your yeah, thing. Yeah, so this is like the most Kyle Whittingham team, right? Of all of them, they there's never been one that is this Kyle Whittingham. They have um <clears throat> only 3 of their assistants have been here fewer than 9 years. The average tenure among all 10 staffers uh Whittingham and their strength coach who I think is good from what I gathered um is like more than my business is more than nine years like they they have there's so much continuity on this staff which is a big time whittingham thing and then the roster is the same it's top 50 for returning production which is rare for a team that was that good um eight starters back on offense five back on defense um 
all three of his best teams have brought back a starting quarterback and running back, just like this one does with Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas. Um, I think the Heisman hype for Rising is ridiculous. He's just, he's not that kind of player. Um, But there's not really any question he's a great fit for this offense and a very capable quarterback within this system. Um, He makes the throws that they need him to make. He's really, really good off of play action, keeps the offense on schedule. Um, He completed just under 60% of his play action passes, but he did so for more than eight yards per attempt last season. Uh, Eight touchdowns to zero interceptions on those throws. They don't do play action a ton, but he's really good at it. He's very, very good on play action. Um, they're just, the, the, the offense isn't very explosive. I don't think that's going to change this season, but they just, they're really hard to knock off track. It's, it's, they're going to stay on track. They're going to be getting first downs consistently. And I think it's because rising is better than people give him credit for, especially on passing downs. He, he is, you wouldn't think that this is a team that is especially strong on passing downs because it's not how they're designed, but, um, they were, Last season, 18th in passing down success rate and 10th on passing play success rate. Like, this is one of the better passing offenses in the country last year, and just about every member of it is back. Uh, Brant Keithy is back at tight end. Dalton Kincaid is back at tight end. Uh, Devon Vele is back at wide receiver. I'm not super sure about Solomon Innes as number two wide receiver with uh, Britton Covey gone, but I think the passing game is going to be great. The, 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 I have the utmost confidence in this passing attack in general. Uh, Logan Kendall is also transferring in. He's I, I want to mention him just because he's a fun guy to add. He was the fullback at Idaho who is an all-big sky pick as a fullback, even though he carried like twice and caught four passes. He just he just blocks. He only blocks. That he rocks, was, man. He was that still, rocks. He was still an all-big sky pick despite the fact that he never touched the football. Like that's how that's how good this dude is at blocking. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about him. Uh, the, the guy who's going to sort of lead the offense is Tavion Thomas because he's the running back and it's a it's still a running based offense um he's good he's he's sort of one of those pluggers right like I don't think he's an elite level running back but he certainly can pick up yards and he's just a nightmare to tackle because he's like 6'3 235 um Micah Bernard is also back and thankfully playing running back again and not cornerback um they're gonna have two new starters up front but I think the offense is gonna get better it was it was really good last year I think the offense is gonna be better this year uh yeah okay man fair enough um i i really do think this is a good football team um obviously i'm fucking breaking the breaking any stories (laughs) by saying that uh (laughs) i don't know Uh, i do want to point out something you had on the offensive line there i really do love jim harding their offensive line coach yeah um he is really really good uh he has been there since 2014 i believe um to me another one of the best offensive line coaches in the country also, just pointing this out in case Justin Fry sucks, uh, Jim Harney is an Ohio native oh. uh, from Miami. He's a Toledo graduate. Um, should be in the Big Ten, guys. Someone fucked up by not getting him to the Big Ten. He's not been at Utah for too long to get him, I think. But yeah. uh, one of you guys absolutely freaked him by not bringing him the door. Yeah. Also, his picture on the Utah site is very funny if you look at it. He is wearing a very large suit. Very, very large suit. <laughs> um, it's a great presumably sign. a large man because he was a four-year starter at left tackle for Toledo. He's going to grow into um, it. He's he's just waiting. He's gonna he's gonna hit his growth spurt any day now and grow into that suit. I think based on his age, his picture's also maybe ten years old. Nice. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he rocks. I'm gonna see if I can find a current picture of Jim Harden. Yeah. So uh, uh, as you do that, I'm gonna talk about the defense a little bit. Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell are both gone, which is tough. This is a bad loss as a linebacker, but I like Kareen Reed to take over one spot. He was basically a starter last year. Um, and then uh, Muhammad Diabate, I believe, is the name from from uh, mm-hmm. from Florida. I think he's I think he's good. I think is it's I like fair that, yeah. to have expectations for him. He was hurt in the spring, but 
he should be able to uh, to contribute and start right away. Um, Gabe Reed is here as well, the Stanford transfer, really good edge rusher, not like a game breaker, but uh, more than capable of, of taking over as a starter. Um, he'll start opposite Van Fillinger, who is back at end, really good end pairing, uh, one of the better end pairings in the country, I think. Junior Tafuna is back at tackle as well. They're going to need to find another tackle, but they have... Um, they have a coach who is specifically dedicated to defensive tackles on this staff, so I think they'll probably be okay. I'm going to guess that they can find another defensive tackle. It's not been an issue for them in the past. Um, so front seven, I think, might take a slight step back, but not significantly. Back seven or back uh, back five is fantastic. Clark Phillips is back, one of the best cornerbacks in college football. Fabian Marks is back. Malone uh, Matele is back. Travis Broughton is back. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really good cornerback group. Um, they're going to need to find two new safety starters, but Cole Bishop looked really good last year at the end of the season. RJ Hubert has been around forever. He just hasn't been healthy. Um, and then Clayton Isbell is a, uh, he's an FCS All-American from Illinois State who's filling out the, uh, the group as well. Um, I don't see a weakness here. I really don't. I, I think that they are, like, I think that this is the best team that Whittingham has had on paper. And they went, you know, he had a team that went undefeated in 2008. Um, they're, they're fantastic. They're really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about it. I mean, this is going to roll through. They're going to roll a lot of football teams. They're going to be well coached, prepared. Um, you want to do the schedule or do you have anything else you want to bring up? No, let's do the schedule. So they start the season at Florida. Um, that, that's going to be a win. It's going to be a very funny win where you're going into Florida for a night game in week one and really just beating the hell out of them. I, I don't think it's going to be like a drubbing. I think it's just like a, uh, a really, really demoralizing twenty-four to seven kind of game where you just can't get yeah. anything. You're just smothered. They're, they're just holding the pillow over their face for sixty minutes. Don't need to do anything <laughs> else. Um, Southern Utah at home is a win. San Diego State at home is a win. This is not also by the way really going to derail the Anthony Richardson hype very fast. He's oh, going to complete forty-two yes. percent of his passes tops. Oh yes. <laughs> um, so San Diego State at home not going to be the same San Diego State as it has been. Also, I don't think it'd be an issue even if it was. Um, at Arizona State, Oregon State at home. All of these are wins. Uh, they're starting the season five and zero pretty comfortably, I think. At- okay, I, I agree. Here's what I'm going to say in general for the season. Like before we get even get through it, looking at the schedule, I think in a vacuum, every game on it is a win. I yeah. think if I was picking games one on one, this team goes twelve and zero. That having been said, Oregon State at home, right before going at UCLA, home against USC is the definition of like a packed full season trap that's game. tough like it's, where they it's, lose it's one tough. of these like bullshit games yeah it's a tough three game stretch i think if they can get out of that unscathed there's not a single loss in the back of the schedule because it's it's at washington state out of a bye week arizona and stanford at home at oregon at colorado they just it's it's october 1st through the 15th they're going to it's going to determine the season and i think determine if this is a playoff team or not they just need to win those three and they're going undefeated i don't know where it comes uh, I th- I have a ton of respect for Utah. I think they win the Pac-12 and go 12 and one. I just think there's one regular season loss here somewhere in the schedule. I'm gonna say 12 and 0. Um, I I I'm not confident in any of those teams beating this team. I think that this guy these guys are really good. I don't think that they're like going to win a national championship level good. But um, Utah has been a playoff team for me for the entire off season, and it's not going to change now. I think that they are. I think they're an undefeated Pac-12 winner, and I think that they're a playoff team. Man, um, I, I think it's hard to again in a vacuum. I think what you're saying makes sense. I'm not, I'm not arguing with it. I think they're a really good football team. I, I just think that 
it's coming somewhere. So it's sure. it's 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 it's, it's easy to be a little bit of afraid of it with these guys because it has happened before where they have one dumb one. Um, but I they just, just when you when you don't have the talent advantage, like you miss up somewhere. Margins are thinner for sure. Yeah, but I I just uh, I'm 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 very high on this t- easily. I think winning the conference for 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 sure. I would say at this yeah. point. Yeah, and um, I guess we have them playing what uh, Washington maybe yes. or Washington or Oregon in a. Gotta championship be, game and just kicking the shit out of them. Gotta be one of them. <laughs> Somebody's gonna have to do it. That's sort of the. Uh, yeah, I the, think we have Washington nine and three, but I don't remember how we had the uh, the, uh, conference the, the dream flipping the field Pac twelve championship game. We'll do this for every P five league. Uh, dream championship game here. I'm gonna say Oregon State versus Utah. Like realistic dream situation. Yeah, that'd Oregon be cool, State, especially Utah. if Oregon State beats them. Uh, like <laughs> first time. <laughs> yeah, that would kick ass. That would be. A that's just good that's game. just me, and also we're. We're bringing Bill Landis to the podcast for that one. Talk about the Jim Mickelzik versus Jim Hardy offensive line matchup. Yeah. He'll be in his bag as well. Yeah, uh, I'll have to tell him who they are first because Bill loves offensive line play. He does not love coaches like I do. Yeah, he's Bill, not a, he's not a coach head like us. He's not a coach head. We're we're honestly we're coach addicts. Yeah, we're we're addicted to coaching. We can't get enough fixes <laughs> of just talking about coaching. Oh man, well if you all are also addicted to coaching, you can't stop talking about coaches. You want to see Jonathan Smith with his strap on playing against Washington State. You should follow the show on Twitter at Field Flipping. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, I'm going to just say we have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff coming in the next couple of weeks that I think is going to be really yeah. cool. Uh, so stay, stay tuned to those channels. Um, you're going to be getting some, uh, you're going to be some episodes hitting your uh, hitting your inbox pretty well, yeah, fast. Gonna be and some episodes. And you're gonna have some news. In your you're gonna have too. some episodes hitting your back walls here pretty soon, I think. Um, <laughs> but and uh, <laughs> until then, uh, I guess we'll just we'll talk. I don't know how else I'd end the show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Man.